Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Please, you could put it on. People should be more concerned right now with the flu in this country. A lot of people are concerned about the coronavirus because they're hearing a lot of news about it right now. But the reality is comparing it to the flu, for example, it's not even close to being at that stage. What if it is worse? Is this a moment where maybe countries put politics aside, a little bit of pride aside, and do we have U.S. officials? Should U.S. Professionals such as yourself get involved. How worried should Americans be about coronavirus? Coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States. Well, we've asked them to accelerate whatever they're doing in terms of a vaccine. We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. To unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national emergency. Medicare patients can now visit any doctor by phone or video conference at no additional cost. The first one million masks will be available immediately. As there were more cases... And it was clear that it was spreading out of China, where it originated. The president took this move that he was widely criticized for by Democrats and even some Republicans at the time, which was he halted a number of flights from China into the U.S. The idea was to halt the spread of the disease, keep transmissions to a minimum. He was accused of xenophobia. He was accused of making a racist move. At the end of the day... It was probably effective because it did actually take a pretty aggressive measure against the spread of the virus. His team is on it. They've been responsive late at night, early in the morning, uh, and they've uh, thus far been doing everything that they can do. And I want to say thank you. And I want to say that I appreciate it. He returns calls. He reaches out. Uh, he's been proactive. Uh, we got that mercy ship down here in Los Angeles. That was directly because he sent it down here. 2,000 uh, medical uh, units came to the state of California, these FMS, these, these field medical stations. Uh, and that's been very, very helpful. The president has been... Uh uh, outstanding uh, through all this. The vice president's been outstanding. Members of the coronavirus task force, very responsive. We had asked if we could have, New Jersey could have access to a piece of the beds that are on the USNS Comfort, and the president came back, called me a short few minutes before I walked in here to say, indeed, they would grant that to New Jersey. So that's a big step for us in addition to all the other capacity. That news is literally hot off the press, and I thank the president and vice president who are on the call together. President Trump approved Arizona's request for a presidential major disaster declaration. I want to thank the president for a quick turnaround. We requested this on a Wednesday, and we had approval by Saturday morning. And we are grateful to the administration for their continued support and responsiveness. Well, first of all, I want to uh, thank uh, the, the, the president, the vice president, for doing a really good job of communicating with all the governors. 
And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 15th of April, year of our Lord, 2020. <clears throat> Good morning. It is super early here. I woke up at 4, so it's 5 o'clock. Uh, it's cold. It's 28 degrees outside. we got a cool front. And decided to start the show with something positive. That's a piece somebody put out to rebut all the crazy that we have to deal with with our media. Um, I rarely start the show with the positive, and I don't play a lot of positives. You know, uh, let's be honest, blood sells. So we uh, we show a lot of negative on the show, but I wanted to start with something that was kind of a rebuttal to everything, and that's a master cut somebody made. Um, to the COVID-19 craziness, before we get into our show, um, it, if these are to be believed... Uh, 614,246 cases, those I believe, 26,064 deaths, I do not believe, let's be honest, we've played it, they're counting everything as a death, but they're saying in the United States, since yesterday, only 360 cases, most of them were in California, um, New York has 203,123 cases, and almost 11,000 deaths. So it's, most of this is all New York. Uh, New Jersey, 68,000. Massachusetts, 28,000. 27,000 in Michigan. 25 in California. 25 in Pennsylvania. 23 in Illinois. 21 in Florida. 21 in Louisiana. 15 in Texas. 14 in Georgia. 13 in Connecticut. And I think that's the top 10. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, that's the top 11. So majority of them are... Blue states, Washington blew up. That's 11,000 cases. Um, the most deaths are in Michigan and New York, which is very interesting because those are the two most critical people and then initially, and then Cuomo shut his hole when everything blew up. Oregon, uh, 1,633 cases and 55 deaths. They've done very well. We've dropped all the way to number 20. And Tennessee, we're 58, 23, 124 deaths that I do not believe because even locally they're saying it's pretty much anything is that. Colorado, or big sis is 79, 41 with 329 cases. So it has appeared that we are starting for the first time to honestly, I guess the word we're going to use is flatten the curve. Um, all this staying at home was supposed to help. Uh, it appears that it has, because at least for now, knock on some wood, we've stopped blowing up. Um, we don't have an insane amount of cases, and that's a really good thing. Um, it really is. So today's show, we're going to go into some media craziness up front, as we always do. Um, we have a section on Biden and a very short news and social media nuggets. I have a review on a fantastic Made me, I'm going to admit it, Cry Twice series on Amazon called Tales from the Loop. I've ignored it for shit a month, and then I watched it, and wow, wow, what a great series. So we'll have that on the back end. Um, so let's start with the big thing this week. Paula Reed decided, hey, I want to enter my, um, channel my inner Jim Acosta, and she decided to make the briefing about her. This was the big hubbub over the last couple days, and it sounded a little bit like this. I'm going to play her, and then him, Trump pushing back, and media not liking it, and so this is a little bit of a soundbite montage. 
Are you doing this voluntarily or did no, the president? No, I'm doing it. I, everything I do is voluntarily. Please, don't even imply that. I saved tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of lives by doing it. That you bought. The argument is that you bought yourself some time. You didn't use it to prepare hospitals. You didn't use it to ramp up testing. Right you're now, so, you're so, you're so disgraceful. It's so disgraceful the way you say that. Let, let me just listen. I just went over it. I just went over it. Nobody thought we should do it, and when I did it. But what did you do with the time that you bought? You know what we did? That, you know what we did? What do you do? What do you do when you have no case in the whole United States? You when you, you excuse me, you reported it. Zero cases, zero deaths on January seventeenth. January. I said in January. On January thirty. A lot. A lot. And in fact, we'll give you a list. What we did, in fact, part of it was up there. We did a lot. Look, look. You know you're a fake. You know that your whole network, the way you cover it, is fake. And most of you, and not all of you. But the people are wise to you. That's why you have a lower a lower approval rating than you've ever had before, times probably three. And when you ask me that question, let me ask you this: Why didn't Biden? Why didn't? Why did Biden apologize? Why did he write a letter of apology? No, that's very important. Why did the Democrats think that I acted too quickly? You know why? Because they really thought that I acted too quickly. We have done a great job. Now I could have, I could have kept it open. And I could have done what some countries are doing. They're getting beat up pretty badly. I could have kept it open. I thought of keeping it open because nobody's ever heard of closing down a country, let alone the United States of America. But if I would have done that, we would have had hundreds of thousands of people that would right now be dead. We've done this right, and we we really we really have done this right. The problem is the press. The briefing. Was breathtaking from beginning to when we dropped out, and at times it bordered on dangerous. I'm not even sure where to begin with that briefing. Uh, there was a propaganda video touting the administration's response. The president began with a propaganda video. The, I mean, I can only call it a propaganda video, that crazy propaganda video. Uh, well, one thing we should point out about that video, which looked straight out of Beijing or Pyongyang, I mean, there were White House officials who were working on that video this afternoon. You know, the White House made it, so that's taxpayer money. So that video, campaign-style video, propaganda video, whatever you want to call it, was paid for with your tax dollars. And it obviously was selectively edited to make the president seem in charge. This was a Trump is awesome video at taxpayer expense. Like it was a rally. Propaganda videos meant to convince you that he took strong, decisive action to protect Americans from the virus from the beginning. Except he didn't. It had earmarks of a propaganda style video. We're not going to show it to you because it's full of deceptive editing and taking statements out of context. He's trying to erase from everybody's memories, uh, but propaganda videos and temper tantrums in the briefing room just won't do that, Anderson. He still seems to prefer these small fights with the press instead of focusing on the virus. And that anti-media propaganda video is an example. He started this briefing with that anti-media propaganda video, which is nothing sort of disgraceful, but it also shows us where he's coming from. He's focused on the past it just seems like we go in cycles that the media have to get something going and spark him and and it's just funny that it coincides with you know biden is officially 
the man, Obama, as we'll hear, has endorsed him, and the New York Times and WAPO have exonerated him of anything, that the whole sexual harassment against him is bullshit. Paula Reed, inside coronavirus briefing, President Trump is having reporters watch campaign-style montage praising his handling of coronavirus. Do believe that's a soundbite I put up front. Jeff Pollack. Trump makes White House press corps watch Sean Hannity clip of MSM downplaying coronavirus, making New York Times defending his China travel ban. New York Governor Cuomo and Gavin Newsom all praising the president. If they pass the temperature check coming in, they won't on the way out. <laughs> yeah, so Trump is just on fire right now, going after dishonest members of the media, and they have no real answers for him, just more in defensive nonsense. And as you hear from the media right now, during this press briefing, they're trying to debate Trump. This isn't objective reporting. They're almost taking a side, and they, they are. Uh, there was tweets coming out yesterday, from yesterday's brief, of literally, and now you see the mainstream media defend China, because he pulled out of the WHO, and he bashed China, as most Americans who are, you know, have an IQ above a fucking potato see it is China's fault. And they were spot on. Media ran to the defense of anybody. I mean, they, they will, def- if he said, you know, just the most obvious thing in the world, they're going to take the opposite because they hate him. Guy Benson, this is a campaign ad. It's an effective one, but it's a campaign ad. Lamestream Media has joined their crow. POTUS is serving up really nice. This was just a jerk-off day, really, for the right. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Molly Hemingway. As I pointed out last week, media were trying to bully Trump away from his press conference because he fights their political messaging during the press conference. You can witness witness this in real time, and their predictable reaction is, right now. Um Jim Acosta, White House, just played what appeared to be a campaign video defending Trump in the briefing room. Meg Haberman, the president used an audio of me on a daily to, on the daily to bash my reporting and the reporter in the paper, though I'm so glad they listened to the daily. Their use of audio is misleading. I went on to say he treated the travel limitation as mission accomplished moment, and then he did basically nothing for over a month, which was over a story yesterday. Kelly O'Donnell, we could give you hundreds of clips like that. We didn't want this to go on too long after the president played an edited highlight reel. Jeff Cellini, as we've been watching for weeks, the White House pre- briefing has steadily morphed into a campaign rally. Tonight, President Trump takes it even further. We're playing propaganda. Philip Rucker, the same. Everybody, oh, it's propaganda. It's propaganda. Jadvine Jeviv Vital, CNN just pulled away and went to a fact-checking segment. Well, let, let's look at this really quick. This is this is what the Chirons on CNN were saying during the next briefing. And I, let me put my glasses on so I could read these really good because I, I, for editing purpose, I couldn't make them super big. But I mean, you could do this on any day, really. It doesn't really matter. Tell me if you remember in the beginning with this is CNN when they first came out. I mean, in the army, they were the news source. I believe them more than my S two, which is the intel office of every unit. Angry Trump turns briefing into propaganda session. That, that's a chyron on a news channel. 
Trump uses task force briefing to try and rewrite history on coronavirus response. Kind of like you guys do, and you have been from the beginning. I mean, here's CNN really quick. I got to play this, and I didn't insert it anywhere. They are, understand, we've, we've now done about, what, 10 podcasts in these five weeks of, of this shit. And they have said everything is racist. If you do a travel ban, it's racist. If you do this, it's a racist. This was a soundbite just yesterday on CNN. There's the memo that got reported on that Peter Navarro, one of presidents, the president's uh, trade advisors, is warning. Um, and he's, his views are dismissed in part because he's a China hawk. His views are always seen as colored through the lens of being anti-China. So that is dismissed. And, and look, every expert agrees now, looking back, that the president's call to restrict that travel from China pretty early on was a good decision. The question is just what else could have been done in the subsequent weeks, Mark? Talk about rewriting history. Uh, Trump attacks media after series of reports he ignored warnings as virus spread. Actually, that's totally debunked. And, well, here here's a soundbite from freaking Dr. Fauci. He said one statement over the weekend, the media ran with it that the we should have dosed social distance. You know, the question was, uh, could we have saved more lives if we social distance? And he said... Yeah, we could have. And then they ran forever that he is responsible that we didn't social distance more, even though they were saying that a travel ban was racist at that time. So how the fuck would he ever have gotten social distancing? It would have been, you're more racist, but here's Fauci. So let me tell you from my experience, and I can only speak from my own experience, is that we had been talking before any meetings that we had about the pros and the cons the effectiveness or not of strong mitigations. So discussions were going on mostly among the medical people about what that would mean. The first and only time that Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president to actually have a, quote, shutdown in the sense of not really shutdown, but to really have strong mitigation we discussed it. Obviously, there would be concern by some that, in fact, that might have some negative consequences. Nonetheless, the president listened to the recommendation and went to the mitigation. The next second time that I went with Dr. Burks into the president and said, 15 days are not enough. We need to go 30 days. Obviously, there were people who had a problem with that because of the potential secondary effects. Nonetheless, at that time, the president went with the health recommendations, and we extended it another 30 days. But I think the majority of sentiment across the country is we're in the middle of this. Let's get through it. Mm -hmm. Let's help small businesses and companies survive this. Let's make sure as, as few people as possible die because of this and get to the other side and then do the look back. Um, and obviously the president has always been a counterpuncher and he's going to continue to be. So, you know what, you brought up an interesting point, though, because he, he does defend, he does counterpunch. I, I ask, and I've wanted to ask you this for a long time, so I'm just going to put it out there. When, when we watch those news conferences in the afternoons and we see people who are journalists like you and I are, Brett, asking the same questions kind of over and over and, and having those moments of contention, have we moved to, to a point now where maybe that only works for the president? 
Clearly, he thinks it works because he thinks uh, that that sparring is good to shore up his supporters. Um, I think that as a journalist sitting there, you want to advance the ball on substance, not get in a fight with the president of the United States. That doesn't mean that you don't ask pointed questions, but you ask them in a way to to Mm -hmm. advance the ball, as as you know, Harris. And... um, and sometimes, because of the contentious nature of it, you're right. It, he sees it as a plus. A lot of people look at those things and say, this is too long. He could have done it in half the time. And I'm not saying that because it happens in my hour all the time. I'm saying just because mm-hmm. his supporters and others say, um, you know, he could have done the same thing in half the time. You got a two for one on that. I put Brett Bear because we should be advancing the ball, but, but we're not. Um, angry Trump uses propaganda video produced by government employee at taxpayer expense. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that for Obama? Trump melts down an angry response to reporters he ignored virus warnings. Trump falsely claims media ignored coronavirus in January, February. Go to CNN.com for full archive. Trump refuses to acknowledge any mistakes. Molly Hemingway. I love, love, love CNN Chirons. And not just because of how discrediting they are. They're very funny claim to be a news organization, not a reservoir of people beset by hormonal rage and anti-Trump derangement. CNN's a super PAC with a press pass. You couldn't say that any better. You just couldn't. Uh... I, I just, I can't believe they truly believe their news. I mean, here's King. It's, you know, I could play every hour of that day was CNN losing their shit. So let's just do King and I have another CNN soundbite of them just being CNN. Uh, extraordinary doesn't do it justice, Wolf. The president has every right to defend himself. The president has a key, a few key points he wants to make about his action on the channel, China ban. He's absolutely correct. Uh, however, uh, I spent nine and a half years in that building, close to ten years in that building, including in that briefing room as a White House correspondent, many of them working with you uh, back in the Clinton administration. Then I stayed on through the George W. Bush administration. That was propaganda. That was not just a campaign video. That was propaganda aired at taxpayer expense in the White House briefing room. And it was selective cherry-picking information. Again, the president has every right to be proud of imposing the travel restrictions on China. He was criticized by other people at the time, and it, it turns out every public health expert will now tell you that that helped. That helped. That was the one thing the president did early on. Some of those other things that were announced in there were cherry-picked, and they ignore some things, like on January 22nd, when the president was asked by CNBC, uh, do we, is there going to be a pandemic? Ten, pandemic? No, not at all. That was the president of the United States on January 22nd. Uh, the president in early February said it looks like in April, you know, in theory, it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. Uh, the president said then on February 26th at the White House, this is the flu, this is like the flu. Uh, he said in that same press conference, we're going to get very substantially 15 people, 15 within a couple of days, it's going to be down to zero. I could go on and on and on, Wolf, with other things the president has said. Again, he has every right to defend himself. He has every right to push back. He has every right to challenge things that are factually not true. Uh, but to play a propaganda video at taxpayer expense in the White House briefing room 
is a new, you can insert your favorite word here, in this administration. Uh, there are ways to do things, and then there's that. That's just plain out propaganda yeah. in the James Brady briefing room of the White House. Something I would expect from his uh, re-election campaign, not from the sitting president of the United States in the briefing room. Uh, very, very uh, awkward, to put it mildly. Uh, Daniel Dela, I want to... That was President Trump uh, giving the latest update on the pandemic. The president was very angry, if you were watching that over the past hour and a half or so, trying to rewrite history regarding his response to coronavirus. Coronavirus, as of today, has killed more than 23,000 Americans. I want to get straight to our panel, who has been standing by as we all have been watching this. John King, uh, let me start with you. Uh, the president was extremely angry and uh, lashing out, frankly, uh, multiple times at various reporters. Aaron, the briefing was breathtaking from beginning to when we dropped out, and at times it bordered on dangerous. Uh, the president began with a propaganda video. Oh, that's right, Aaron, and I, and I have to tell you, that is the biggest meltdown I have ever seen from a president of the United States uh, in my career. I don't think a reasonable person could uh, watch uh, what we just saw over the last hour and conclude that the president is in control. He sounds like he is out of control. And he was ranting and raving for the better part of the last hour during that news conference. As John King was just saying, he's claiming that he has authorities that he doesn't have. Uh, the Constitution does not give the president of the United States uh, total authority, and I thought it was very illuminating that Vice President Mike Pence uh, got up there at the podium uh, and, and described the President's authority as plenary or absolute. Uh, that is not the case. Uh, that is a fact check false. Uh, but getting to your question, Aaron, I mean, I, I do think to some extent the President is realizing uh, that the walls are closing in on him when it comes to managing this crisis. And I found myself thinking about the people in hospital wards who... who... They don't want to talk about the past. They want to talk about right now. They need help right now. But the president is not showing empathy for those people. He is not showing compassion for the, the families that have lost loved ones. Instead, he's trying to play small ball. He's trying to fight against the media because that works for him. Culture war fights work for him. He knows how to do those. He's really good at those. He's trying to talk his way out of a mess that he created himself when over the past 45 to 60 days, both he and members of the conservative media were in this echo chamber saying to one another uh, that the public did not have to worry about this when clearly uh, his own administration should have been preparing for the pandemic that unfolded, perhaps not to the severity uh, that we're seeing right now, uh, but obviously they had time to get ready. Uh, the president had time to get the public ready. David Zerwick, your reaction to the president's rhetoric the past few days? He's clearly back on this focus about reopening the economy. Obviously, that's a sentiment that many Americans, all Americans share. I think people around the world want life to get back to normal. Uh, but he hasn't articulated a plan to do that yet. What's your reaction? Brian, the rhetoric that we're hearing, you know, it reached a point, and it reached a point a long time ago, but now people really are dying these horrible deaths. Uh, health workers are risking their lives daily. And to see him come out there and for 90 minutes and two hours sometimes, doing exactly what you said. He's spinning a narrative, and the narrative is, I didn't do anything wrong. I was ahead of everybody. I was great. The federal government's doing great work. And it's an outrageous lie, but what's worse is every minute he spends doing that, he is not getting respirators to hospitals. He's not helping the states out with the kind of uh, PPEs they need. People are dying because of his 
foolishness. It's really foolishness at this point. You know, America, you know, folks who love them, fine. You voted for them. You stuck it to the elites for three years. But now your loved ones can die. The game's over. This isn't reality TV anymore. People are dying, and this guy is acting a fool. And when he blows off at reporters, what, what's going on is as soon as the reporters push back a little bit against that narrative, that's when he loses it, because he can't control that narrative. And I think really well, David, I, you know, I wrote a column this week saying, let's marginalize this. The walls are closing in again. We're, we're closing the walls. You, you know, I, I could sit here all day and replay everything that we've played over the last couple of weeks of the media, New York Times, WAP, everybody misread this shit. There were still people out in the streets. No, I mean, these are all over. The web. I'm going to play two quick sound bites that never get, and then some stats you never hear out of our media. The media doesn't report this because on CNN, they're and the rest are too busy trying to blame Trump in an election year. In the road like dickheads. Parked like fucking dickheads, but as soon as I start recording them, they move up. Look at that. That's incredible. They're parked there. See me rolling up on them. No, you're parked like a dickhead, and then you see me recording you. Okay, but why are you parked like a dickhead then? I can curse. It's called freedom of speech. Um, well, I'm expressing myself. I'm expressing myself. I'm also free to stay, dickhead. So they're parked like dickheads over here like this. And then as soon as they see me walking up, they're like, oh, we'll pull up now, now that we're dumping dickheads. Yeah, look at you, you fucking little dickhead over here. It's called freedom of expression, dumbass. Oh, you're cursing? What are you, the fucking hall monitor? You fucking teacher's pet? Now look at this dumbass in here on her phone. Oh, yeah, on your tablet, just fucking goofing around, probably. Fucking goofballs. Okay, have a good day. Don't worry, the people are watching you guys now. Have a good day. So make sure you just know you're being watched, dickhead. Look at this dickhead over here. Fucking dickheads, bro. Only hired dickheads like that. <laughs> Comes out like a tough guy and shit. Motherfucker don't know who he's playing with, bro. Acting like some kind of fucking tough guy. So what you gotta, that's how you gotta treat the police, yo. These people are public servants. The first one is every apparent uh, ICU room in the country had a flash mob challenge that they put out there. And everybody kept saying, I thought we're overrun. I, I thought we don't have enough anything. All these people are dying and, and healthcare workers are just swamped and blah, blah, fucking blah. And we got Javits Center and all this shit. And these were New York hospitals that had time to do a flash mob video. Second was a police one from this week. Clearly, people have enough time to harass the police. Here's a stat you never would find out. This comes from Andrew Pollock. Uh, 7,096 New York PD officers were out sick Friday, near 20% of the police force. 2,767 officers have tested positive for COVID. The men and women in NYPD are risking their lives now more than ever, yet a scumbag still decided to treat officers like this. That's what came with the video. Party man. The media is telling us Trump should have suspended the Constitution and shut down the country back when they were writing stories like this. And over and over and over and over. Of he doesn't have the power. 
He does have the power. He's a dictator, but he's not a dictator. We, we've gone back and forth all over. The, the new thing right now, and it came on a YouGov survey, is that who has the power to reopen states, the president or governors? Because all of a sudden, the left, because of Trump saying, well, are they close it, I'll just, are they open and I'll just close it back down. Now they're for states' rights. Out of the blue, they're for states' rights because of Trump. Uh, New York Times, here's an article. There no evidence that the virus or coronavirus is readily spreading by humans and has not been tied to any deaths, but health officials in China intentionally are watching it carefully. Then all week it's been, um, and that was that was released uh, January 20th. Same time he was doing the travel ban, they were calling it racist. Then there's the stats of we surpassed everybody. We have the most cases, we have the most everything. Here's actual math, something that the left doesn't do because the left's about just sensationalism, no facts, emotion. U.S. population, 328 million. France, Germany, Italy, U.K., and Spain population, 324 million. U.S. cases, 526,396. All those countries, 650,807. Deaths, U.S. 20,464. All those countries, 62,553. And that came from John Hopkins University and the Coronavirus Research Center. But the media runs, we have the most cases because Trump. How about this stat that didn't get out and nobody's reporting? Preliminary data and anecdotal evidence suggests that fleeing New Yorkers may have hastened the spread of the coronavirus. Article, did New Yorkers who fled to second homes bring the virus? There's actual proof. That's how Florida blew up. But the media reported red states are going to die because of Trump. CNN article, thousands of Americans are dying unnecessarily because President Trump ignored urgent warning signs and failed to prepare for the coronavirus pandemic, even after the alarm bells went off. Jeffrey Satch writes, talk about rewriting history. A little over two weeks after Trump had placed restrictions on China travel and formed the task force, the novel coronavirus has sickened thousands globally and at least 15 people in the U.S. is inspiring countries to close their borders and America to buy up surgical masks quicker than major retailers can restock them. There's another virus that's infected at least 26 million Americans across the country and killed at least 14,000 people this season alone. It's not a new pandemic, it's influenza. The 2019-20 flu season, which began September 29th, projected to be one of the worst decades. According to the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Disease, at least 253,000 people have been hospitalized with complications from the flu. He put that in his article. Blaming Trump now for the flu. Everybody said, what about the rest of the world? What about the WHO? What about deaths per population? We're not even close to the stop. We have the least amount of any country per population. But they don't run those stats. Articles again from New York Times. Who says it's not safe to travel to China? 
Um, the headline is that we have the most deaths. It's hard to take an uh, opinion seriously when the foundation is built on lies about China. Another one, since I'm encouraging New Yorkers to go on with your lives and get on the town despite coronavirus, I thought I would offer some suggestions. Here's a first through Thursday 3-5. Go see the Traitor Film, Inc. If The Wire was a true story and set in Italy, it would be this film. That was Bill de Blasio sending that out on uh, March 2nd. Mark D. Levine, and a powerful show of defiance of coronavirus. We've read that tweet about a billion times. So who's rewriting history? They forget that the Internet is, like, forever. You can keep searching stuff. Eventually, Google will give it to you. They're going to protect Dems up front. And you say uh, Dems uh, didn't take coronavirus seriously. The first page is going to be Trump didn't take coronavirus seriously. Even though you didn't say that, that's what they'll gurge up because that's all they can find on CNN, New York Times, and WAPO right now. Britt Hume, interesting. Key takeaway may be that it is reasonable to challenge the conventional wisdom that shutdowns are leading or even meaningful contributing to saving lives compared to other measures such as washing hand, canceling large events. A medium story. Because a lot of states are starting to go, well, wait a minute. Let's, let's hold the phone. Oregon, we don't have enough cases to shut down the economy. Tennessee is starting to flatten. Do we really need to do this? And more importantly, now that Cal, you know, freaking New York isn't traveling anymore, maybe we're okay. Maybe it's time to reopen my state. Trump, now he forgets that, you know, state rights are a thing. Actually, using the Tenth Amendment, as I learned on freaking uh, <laughs> bowl the other night. Um, he, he, he's saying, well, I'm not going to let him get out. I'm not going to do it. going to make sure we, we, we close him back up, blah, 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 blah. So that now the media flips to, well, it's, it's the reality is that he, he doesn't have that, that, uh, power. Uh, the president doesn't have the power. The president doesn't have any power. It's all about states' rights. And I, I just look at it like, okay, you can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't be an honest news network and literally run all these stories coinciding with other stories. I mean, if you go and look at the New York Times, WAPO, um, CNN, just take those three. They have argued this from every fucking angle there is. Every angle. It is It is almost comedic. They've been on both sides of it trying to get Trump. If he goes left, they go right. If he goes right, they go left. And I understand it's an election year. But as I've been trying to literally articulate on my show, and I haven't done it that well during all this because I just kind of lose my fucking temper through most of this. Um, I look at the media with more disdain than I do Trump or Democrats. 
The media has done some dangerous fucking shit. They pushed travel to fucking goddamn China. It's safe. They pushed he's a xenophobe. We shouldn't we should all be going to fucking um Chinatown. We should be eating Chinese restaurants. They went with the crazy ass fucking liberal shit right off the bat and people did it. And they got it. They didn't talk about, hey, um, we got people from New York going all over the goddamn country. They're running from the virus and they're running to us. They, they didn't talk about any of that crap. And I'm sure a lot of people in Florida would really, really, really like to have known that. It, it, it culminates, I think, for me with, with this. And I got this from, uh, I got this from media research. And as you can tell, I'm simultaneously looking something up and talking at the same time. So I'm trailing off, but there's 16 terrible takes. I'm going to read them, and then I'm going to play them. And that will take us to a break, and we'll come back in on the other side. Blasting Trump's positivity as bullshit. Chris Cuomo, that was the most asinine statement of leadership I've ever heard. I'm a cheerleader, so I'm going to lie to you about the realities that your parents, your loved ones, and your kids face. I'm not going to prepare the way I should because of reinforcing the bullshit I'm telling you. April 7th. Joy to Jonathan. Walk out of Trump's briefing. John Carl. I watched the debacle yesterday. I was furious when he called you a third-rate reporter. I wanted you to say, no, darling, you're a third-rate president. I want reporters to call him out of his lying. I want the reporters to follow up on questions, blah, blah, blah. Joey Behar to John Carl. People are dying from Trump clown press conference. Sonny Hostin, we played it. <clears throat> Trump pandemic briefing equals 5 o'clock folly. Susan Glasser on CNN Reliable Sources, we played it. Plays Trump with Avengers team of Democratic presidents. Newsweek editor John Meacham, we played it. Do you talk to God about those who died? Byron Pitts to the vice president. Trump hijacked his own briefing, Anderson Cooper. Number nine, authoritarian Trump must take responsibility for crisis, John Harwood. Mika Brzezinski on number eight, death after death on Trump because he's wasting time of lifesavers. Six, uh, can't take. Can't Trump at least pretend to care about loss of life? Nicole Wallace. NBC National Fair and Analyst, Showtime's The Circus, John Heilman. More people are going to die because of Trump's incompetence. Baltimore Sun media critic David Zerwick on CNN Reliable Sources. To Trump voters, your loved ones are dying because of President's foolishness. Trump incompetence has turned deadly. Steve Schmidt. Trump will have killed more people than Vietnam, John Meacham. Uh, Washington Post, Jennifer Rubin. <clears throat> if Biden is serious about winning, he needs to accuse Trump of willingness to kill people. Self-important Don Lemon scolds, how many people have to die on April 6th? They're, they're, they're fucking garbage people. And here's... Me taking out the garbage.
So the president uh, was lashing out again at the legitimacy of criticism itself. He went after a reporter and said, do you work for China? He criticized the HHS inspector general saying, uh, uh, did this person work for President Obama? This is the kind of thing he did, we remember, in 2016 mm -hmm. when he said, oh, well, it's a Mexican judge. I'm trying to build the wall. They can't be fair. That is not the case. There is expertise within the government. He has disregarded that expertise. And now he's trying, uh, I think he feels a sense of injustice that the good conditions that he was running for re-election on have been taken away. And he's reacting in a way, frankly, that authoritarian leaders behave. You can't question me. I'm the leader of the country. What I say is true. Uh, and we can all see what the consequences in American life are at this moment. That is on his watch, and he's got to take responsibility. I can't think of uh, a more collective act of uh, uh, the American people watching day after day the inconsistency and untruths and misleading nature and confusing response by the federal government in the form of the president over the last few months. So my perspective is this, and having watched, I think, basically every single one of these briefings, uh, my takeaway, uh, you know, I wrote about them as comparable to, if not worse than, the five o'clock follies during the Vietnam era at which the Pentagon lied to the American people about the Vietnam War. I believe that this is Donald Trump's version of that. Uh, I think there's a very real debate, and I'm, I'm glad I don't have to be the one to make the decision as far as airing these briefings on television, because I think that's a very difficult decision, and I think your previous guest has suggested why it's very problematic to expose people to so many untruths about the public health from the president. People are dying because of his foolishness. It's really foolishness at this point. You know, America, you know, folks who love them, fine. You voted for them. You stuck it to the elites for three years. But now your loved ones can die. The game's over. This isn't reality TV anymore. People are dying, and this guy is acting a f I have to I'd be honest with you. For the last couple of weeks, when I walk into this building and I get in front of this camera, I swear, I feel like I'm in the movie network. I feel like Howard Beale. Americans are mad as hell. Are you, what are you going to, how much more can Americans take? Every single day berating people, lying. First it's a hoax. And then all along I knew it was serious, I knew it was a pandemic. How much more, how many people have to die? It's not being contained. Wasn't then, it isn't now. On March 6th, that very day that Kellyanne Conway said the virus was being contained, there were fewer than 20 deaths in this country. And now, more than 10,000 Americans are dead. That is a fact, a terrible fact, not an alternative fact. Americans, are you mad as hell? How much more are you going to take? <laughs> well, here's what I think. If there were any way to do this, we should have an Avengers team of presidents. If we oh, could like, have, if you could have the, the president for this moment right now? The president for this moment would be an Avengers team. It would be Franklin Roosevelt with his sense of hope and his bold, persistent experimentation. FDR, brilliant line. He said, 
above all, try something. Try a method. If it fails, admit it frankly and try another. But above all, try something. And don't defend everything you've ever done. He also said, I'm like a baseball player. If if I can get a hit uh, every couple of times at bat, I'll be in the Hall of Fame. He didn't need about a 1,000. He knew if he hit 250, he'd be doing all right. So if we could have an FDR, if we could have Lyndon Johnson, who could make the private sector do exactly what he wanted him to do, and if we could have Barack Obama with that devotion to science and fact, if you could have that t- Mr. Vice President, I have a final question for you. I And I ask this not as in a political way, but for you, sir, like so many of us in our nation, you are a person of deep faith. No one doubts that. When you talk to God in your moments alone, do you find yourself worrying at all that people you represent and care deeply about have died and will die who did not need to because of steps the federal government did not take soon enough? Well... Thank you for mentioning that we are talking about one American at a time. And I promise you that's the way President Trump thinks of this. It's the way I think of it. We wanted the American people to see the numbers so that we understand the challenging days that lie ahead. But I want people to know that um, our future is in your hands, that if every one of us will do uh, and put into practice the guidelines for America, that, that we can bring those numbers down. I, I, I really do believe them. We'll get through this, and we'll come out stronger than ever before. We're looking at uh, potentially 100 to 200,000 people dying and looking at projections in the best of times. And the president last night, once again, Joe, taking three to four hours of his top tier team's time to work on his camera uh, camera time so that he can go out there and get attention and deliver absolutely nothing new. These people standing on stage, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Birch, Burks, and the other uh, members of his team standing out there for hours, having to present something to the press, which meant they had to prepare something for the press. And it was all a complete waste of time, quite frankly, time that is being used to save lives, time that was not used last night because the president needed attention. The president now is getting to the point where his news conferences literally have no value. I think, you know, the media, this is really tough, but the journalism community, the media community has to look at whether or not to carry his words because we cannot be a part of spreading disinformation of lying to the American people. I think we need to wait to hear from the scientists. We need to listen and try and call the news out of anything he's saying, but not carry his lies. It's not fair to the American people. There is death after death after death that is on the president's watch. On his watch. And And when he takes that time away from the American people and from the people fighting this virus, he is preventing this situation from getting any better. You know what I'm saying. Does does it really make sense that Anthony Fauci and Dr. Burke stand up for two hours and listen to the president rambling on saying the same thing over and over? Do you think they might have better things to do? Do they have better things to do than to be props? And then... I think the point you're making, Sonny, about the press conferences, because there is an argument that's being made by uh, some people in media that the press conferences shouldn't be being covered at all. And my argument for keeping the press conferences is I think we're at a place where President Trump, he's always been a sort of 
totalitarian president in a way that we've never historically seen before. And my fear is that he is going to play on the American public's fears in a draconian way and possibly do something akin to the Patriot Act going forward where he uses this moment in time to play off our fears for his own benefit. And I think seeing front and center what him and his team, I for one, became even more fearful of what was happening when I saw how inept Jared Kushner was. So I think while he has a team of doctors like Dr. Fauci that we are all in agreement is doing a great job, my fear is that this is a moment in time that can be manipulated by our powers and by the government in place. And I want to see front and center what he's saying, no matter how ridiculous uh, some of the press conference commentary ebbs into. They believe him. <laughs> they believe him. There are people that well, believe him because they... he's the president of the United States and he's giving misinformation to their own peril. People are dying because of some of the information that's being that's being disseminated from these clown press conferences. Look, Sonny, you're right. Is it, it is an existential question. You're right. I mean, when people are drinking fish tank cleaner as a result of thinking that it's hydra, the malaria medication, exactly. there is there is an argument. Yes, right? but I there's we're, we're looking yeah. at it through different prisms. I've known you, John, for almost going on forty years, uh, <laughs> and it's hard to think we're that old. And I've never known your political orientation. I've never known whether you felt more of a Republican or a Democrat. And yet, right now, you said you would favor Joe Biden because yep. he has certain character traits. Explain to me why you came to that conclusion. I think that we are seeing in the most elemental way the significance and relevance of a fact-based, enlightenment-driven, empathetic presidency of the United States. I wrote the piece about Vice President Biden because it seemed to me that at a certain point, if you have any claim on people's attention, however minor, you have a moral obligation to say what you think. And I believe that as we read more and more of these reconstructions, as we look at more and more of what we used to call the TikToks, we will see that the Trump administration, because of the character of the person at the top, created a reality distortion field that slowed and warped a response that is going to kill more people than the Vietnam War did. And in that case, given those stakes, and if there's a choice at hand, I don't mind saying who my choice would be. He's been indecisive as a leader. His delays, his incompetence, his ignorance has turned deadly. So there's been a deadly consequence for the fact that Donald Trump is sitting in the Oval Office as the most unprepared president in American history to deal with any type of crisis, let alone a crisis of this magnitude. When I saw the press conference, I was horrified. They're the last journalists on planet Earth I would consider a hack. Sometimes you get the sense that the president thinks every question should start with, why are you doing such a great job, Mr. President? I watched that debacle yesterday, and I was furious when he called you a third-rate reporter. I wanted you to say, no, darling, you are a third-rate president. I want the reporters to call him out on his lying. I want the reporters to follow up on questions. And, and you, if you can't get a, a real good answer, the correct answer, I want you all to get up and walk out. That's what I want. Can you do that? Well, well, uh, 
well, no, fellow I, Americans I, I mean, I mean, who are I, watching I, this I, in horror? I, it's I, not, you, you should get up and say something. You're lying. That's not true. Just say it for us. The reaction was incompetent and inadequate. And I don't think it's actually an overstatement mm -hmm. to say that Donald Trump has... There are tens of thousands of people who will die in the country or have some of them have already died. More are still going to die mm -hmm. because of Donald Trump's incompetence and lack of leadership. And get real. The past is over. There can be no more letting politics reinforce our worst instincts. We need to build on our best instincts. And that said, while I'm asking you all to do that, the man at the top refuses to change. He said within a couple of days, the cases will be down to zero. Well, the cases really didn't build up for a while. But you have to understand, I'm a cheerleader for this country. I don't want to create havoc and shock and everything else. I'm not going to go out and start screaming, this could happen, this could happen. That's exactly what leadership is. Anybody can tell people what they want to hear and make it easy. And then you know what you get? exactly where we are right now. That was the most asinine statement of leadership I have ever heard. And I can't even dismiss it on the president having 102 fever, like I do, because that is clear thinking from him. I'm a cheerleader, so I'm going to lie to you about the realities that your parents, your loved ones, and your kids face. I'm not going to prepare the way I should because it reinforces the bullshit I'm telling you, and I'm going to hope that you're okay with it. We've got to do better than that. This president must do better than that. The good news is he can. The bad news is he refuses to. And that I have no answer for. He said we'd be good by Easter. On Easter Sunday, you know what? I will be sick. And I will be sick for some time to come. And somebody telling me something else doesn't make me feel any better. It makes me feel worse about them. I demand the truth for my situation. I demand the truth for you as well. Again, too many of us have parents, loved ones, and kids. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. And finally, new rule, you can't yell at someone for breaking a rule you just made up. Scientists, yes, scientists who are generally pretty liberal, have been naming diseases after the places they came from for a very long time. Zika is from the Zika forest, Ebola from the Ebola River, Hantavirus, the Hantan River. There's the West Nile virus and Guinea worm and Rocky Mountain spotted fever and, of course, the Spanish flu. MERS stands for Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. It's plastered all over airports and no one blogs about it. So why should China get a pass? Congressman Ted Lieu tweeted, The virus is not constrained by country or race. Be just as stupid to call it the Milan virus. No, that would be way stupider because it didn't come from Milan. And if it did, I guarantee we'd be calling it the Milan virus. Jesus fucking Christ, can't we even have a pandemic without getting offended? 
When they named Lyme disease after a town in Connecticut, the locals didn't get all ticked off. <laughs> Tick, ticked off. Seriously, it scares me that there are people out there who would rather die from the virus than call it by the wrong name. This isn't about vilifying a culture. This is about facts. This is about life and death. We're barely four months into this pandemic, <clears throat> and the wet markets in China, the ones where exotic animals are sold and consumed, are already starting to reopen. The PC police say it's racist to attack any cultural practice that's different than our own. I say liberalism lost its way when it started thinking like that and pretended that forcing a woman to wear this was just a different way instead of an abhorrent human rights violation. It's not racist to point out that eating bats is batshit crazy. In 2007, researchers at the University of Hong Kong wrote, the presence of a large reservoir of SARS-CoV, like viruses in horseshoe bats, together with the culture of eating exotic animals in southern China, is a time bomb. <clears throat> Dr. Fauci says we should force a global closure of the wet markets because the current crisis is a, quote, direct result of them. That's Bill Maher. Blame China. I mean, blame China. Bill Maher. He fucking hates Trump. But yet he knows these people are fucking insane. See, Bill Maher is a hateful liberal. But at least he has some integrity, for Christ's sake. Here's uh, our next thing. April Ryan. Wow. Okay, so in our in our remaining time, uh, some people I got some questions. Um, one, someone asked, can he be brought? Can the president be brought up on impeachment charges? You can impeach a president more than once, but the issue is you have November right around the corner. The short answer is not in this case. Why not? I mean, it's a political question. I mean, we all know we. It'll take First a long all, time for it to happen. And it'll take a long time. Election will come sooner. Right. That's, that's where he deserves to be beaten. Beat him badly at the ballot box. You said it, I didn't. So, um, I still got to go back. And for those You're the journalist. I know. You, you have integrity. I have integrity. I've got to go. Thank you. Say it again, sis. April Ryan has integrity. So, anyway, so the bottom line. Now, understand, that's Susan Rice with April Ryan talking about another impeachment and this is part of the show where I, I want to show they don't know what the fuck they want to do there's a part of them that wants to impeach him there's a part of him that want to indict him at the fucking Hague then you have AOC Trump's xenophobic COVID response scaring people away from hospitals Corona Queens is most heavily COVID-impacted zip code in America. I can tell you firsthand that many people are too scared to go to the hospital and continue to work because of Trump's xenophobic 
COVID response. She tweeted the Street Vendor Project. Street Vendor is a crucial part of economy and culture in Corona, Queens. In times like these, the critical information is being shared primarily online in English. Street Vendors continue to play an essential role in sharing information reaches the most impacted communities. Among the reasons the congressman cites as evidence of Trump's xenophobia is his alleged targeting of the Asian community in rhetoric and TV ads and late, little, or no translation of public health mandates in multiple languages. How is Trump's response xenophobic? Targets Asian communities and his rhetoric and TV ads, including ads depicting Asian Americans as Chinese officials. Late, little, or no translation of public health mandates in multiple languages. Booting ITIN immigration taxpayer for CARES relief. What? Whose responsibility is that? The local community. But she's not going to go after Bill. Then you got Jack Califano. Another trend through all of this is now that, you know, fucking Bernie's gone. Uh, yeah. Socialism and shit. Jack Califano. Capital leads, capitalism leads to breadlines. To all the Congress conservatives losing their minds in this thread, I'm sorry, but facts don't care about your feelings. And they're just trolling online. Then you got John Pavlovitz. Pavlovitz. Uh, John Bio used to claim he was a pastor and that tidbit is magical no longer because his obnoxious blog still claims he's one. So we're going to go with it. You'll see what do we mean by obnoxious if you spend any time all on John's timeline. This was his tweet to the president. You owe apology to every child who spent their formative years in America defined by fear of the other, an epidemic of cruelty, a poverty of decency, a deadly allergy to facts, a Christianity of malice, a defiant resistance to diversity. Sorry, I'm already dead from the 2016 election. Net neutrality, World War III, and the host of other things Trump's already dead. I apologize to your children that they can't choose their parents were replies that came on it. I mean, seriously. What the fuck? And now, simultaneously, Nancy Pelosi and company won't improve small business loans or do any of the other shit, because now they're just going to obstruct. Media ignores that shit. There's there's no coverage of any of that. I mean, we're, we're just not going to cover that. It just, just goes away. Because, you know, why? why? Why should we do that? Why should we actually be journalists and press real fucking news. I mean, why would we do that? That just makes no sense. I, there, Every day, there is something in here that I just stare at and go, why? How can you, how can you even say this shit? I, I, it, it's a, it's a fucking pandemic. It's a pandemic, folks. We we have no control. And when you have the WHO literally saying there is no human contact, what what do you expect? What do you expect? There's going to be deaths. The whole world read this wrong. But they have so many angles, they don't know which angles to keep arguing on 
So it all spins back on itself. CNN did a town hall. This is a funny. Um, CNN gets pranked with question about stage four TDS allowed on screen. Town Hall reports a pro-Tump troll pranked CNN hard on Thursday night during the global town hall on coronavirus, facts and fears, with Anderson Cooper and Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Someone in the CNN control room isn't familiar with the conservative terms like Trump's derangement syndrome. When the audience was asked to send questions to Dr. James Redfield, the head of the Centers for Disease Control, one that managed to make on the air was, is stage 4 TDS considered an underlying morbidity? Well, I was only up for a second... Seven seconds, and Cooper never acknowledged it. The prank was noticed on Twitter. Sam Houston. CNN gets playing their Chinese virus town hall with a stage four TDS question. So freaking awesome. I'd love to buy the author of that question a few beers. Media blogger Steve Krakar added, as someone whose job is, was at one point to put social media messages like these on the bottom of CNN screen during town halls, I feel bad for whoever let this one slip. Rick Tan said, what many are thinking, there is no need to inform CNN with stage four TDS all. All of them have it. And then their resident monkey boy over there, he rolled out a media matters. This is on Fox, I mean on CNN. And media matters, of course, is MRC. It's a supposedly non-profit that goes after all media for not saying Democrats are awesome. Earlier this morning, Media Matter rapper response guru Bobby Lewis shared his stunning video of Fox News contributor Bill Bennett comparing COVID-19 to the flu and saying that COVID-19 pandemic was not and is not a pandemic. Fox News contributor Bill Bennett compares coronavirus to the flu, claiming that it's not a pandemic. Brian Seltzer, who, like Bobby Lewis, has also made a career out of watching Fox News, couldn't believe what he was hearing. What the hell? Where's that meaning? This is a pandemic, and COVID-19 is not the flu. Fox execs know that. So why did this air? Deeply irresponsible. Search for Bill Bennett's name on a site, and you'll see Fox and Friends viewers cheering him on. And that's the real problem. This show provides permission, permissive structure for ignorance. Comfortably smug, you liberal hack. If you actually played the video instead of taking Media Matters' word for it, you'd see Kill Me corrects him saying it is labeled a pandemic in this clip. We listened, unlike Brian and Kill, and, and Kill Me and indeed correct Bennett on the pandemic point, but Brian Seltzer, not the type of firefighter, let the truth get in the way of his narrative. Brian Seltzer just airing Media Matter clips now. Here is the soundbite. Bill, what are we missing about this virus? We see the numbers, uh, 22,000 dead, how many cases? But you took a step back, and what did you find? Yeah, let's take a step back. Uh, The estimates now from the University of Washington, which is the model everybody's been going on, even though it's been wrong most of the time uh, by a lot, overstating it, is now they say 60,000 people will die. 61,000 is what we lost to the flu in 2017 and 2018. The flu. Now, we all regret the loss of uh, 61,000 people, if that's what it turns out to be. I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to be less. And salute all those who are working on the front lines on this, the hospital workers, the nurses, the doctors, etc., and the generosity of the American people. But if you look at those numbers and see the comparable, uh, we're going to have fewer fatalities from this than from the flu. For this, we scared the hell out of the American people. 
We lost 17 million jobs. We put a major dent in the economy. We closed down the schools. You heard Dr. Oz say we probably didn't have to do that. Uh, shut down the churches and so on. Um, you know, uh, this was not and is not a pandemic, but we do have panic and pandemonium as a result of the hype of this. And it's really unfortunate. Look at the facts. Uh, it's a, you, it is labeled a pandemic, but uh, you also point out that you believe for, from the number that you're able to see, if you get it, you have a 98% chance of survival. Correct. Uh, less than uh, two tenths of one. If you're an average American, two tenths of one percent chance that you're going to get it. Two tenths. Uh, and if you get it, you have a 98 percent chance of recovery. These things are very rarely heard uh, out there. As Dr. Oz was just saying, uh, people with the comorbidities uh, who have, you know, heart disease, who have very high blood pressure, who are 75 years old. I'm in my 70s. Uh, these are the real risks. But we have scared the heck out of everybody. And you know, psychologically, as a people, remember 9/11. And we talked about let's roll. In this one, there's been too much. Let's roll up in the ball. Let's hide under the bed. This is not the way America works. Let's get back to work. Now, for the record, I love Bill Bennett. I used to read uh, his uh, American Patriots Almanac on the show. It was just an incredible book. We used to read it every night, and I'd read it to my wife, and it was just this cool thing we did. But it was just an excellent book. So I guess I'm biased, but I, once again, when you partially put something out, that's what Media Matter does. And I'm sure there's plenty of MRC clips that, and why I play full clips on the show that might annoy people. Um, that's the game. We parse things and we go with it. And I can't believe they said that. But if you play the full clip, you hear, oh, he didn't call all Mexicans murders and rapists. And he didn't call the virus a hoax. But that's all CNN runs with is partials. Shelby Talcott, CNN or a press release from the Chinese People Liberation Army. Spot the difference. A Chinese Navy flotilla ahead of the Pacific over the weekend evidence that the People's Liberation Army Navy has done a much better job controlling coronavirus than the U.S. Navy, according to a story posted on the PLA English language website. A Chinese Navy flotilla led by an aircraft carrier reportedly sailed through the Macayo Straits and headed towards the Pacific Ocean, prompting Chinese military experts to say on Sunday that the fleet demonstrated success in novel coronavirus epidemic control work. That's the difference between China and CNN. The Roosevelt, now docked in Guam, has been hit the hardest by the virus with 585 cases. Among its crew are more than 4,000 people. Almost all of them have been moved ashore and the island and work are going on to disinfect the ship. De- delaying the ability to deploy, the PLNA Navy has no such issue. Through the voyage, the lionizing showed that the Chinese People Liberation Army has done a great job in epidemic prevention and control work, and COVID-19 epidemic has not had an impact on its deployment and operation, the story says, citing Ching Yang, a senior advisor of Chinese Arms Control and Disarmament Association, and showed that the PLA can dispatch troops stationed anywhere at any time, with the troops always maintaining vigorous combat capabilities. The Chinese people can always count on them. The USS Theodore Roosevelt, Ronald Reagan, Carl Vinson, and Nimitz air carriers all reported positive COVID-19 cases. Media reports have said the nuclear power flagship of the French Navy, the aircraft carrier Charles de Gaulle, also reported a crew members have tested positive. 
Through the voyage, the lioning the lion-ing showed that the Chinese People Liberation Army has done a great job in epidemic prevention and control work, and COVID-19 epidemic has not had an impact on its deployment and operations, Zhu said. It shows that the PLA can dispatch troops stationed anywhere at any time with the troops always maintaining its vigorous combat capabilities. The Chinese people can always count on them. Every one of those sound the same. And every one of you know that's a lie. We all know it's a lie. It's a communist nation. But CNN just regurgitating it. The single update from our international site, 24-7 Live Story, to which you're referring, explicitly states the source is a PLA story and identified the Global Times as a state-run tabloid. That transparency is key as a global news source serving a global audience. CNN spokesman. So we just pushed it out with no... Every Trump statement has a fact check or a chiron. But you're putting Chinese shit out with just... This is from a PLA news source. And your story is word for word what they said. With no screening. None. Somebody asked, Chinese collusion, Russian collusion? Who's going to investigate CNN? It won't be Brian Seltzer. I remember about a month ago, you said to the New York Times newsroom that this was the biggest story to be covering since 9-11. Does it still feel that way to you? Does this feel like a 9-11 level failure of the federal government? You know, I don't know if it's a 9-11 failure. I think we have a lot more reporting to do. It's clearly a failure. 9-11 was also a dramatic failure. But it's a large story in the sense that there's no part of America, no part of the world that's not touched by it. The fact that it touches everybody's lives, the tragedies of people dying alone, hospitals struggling, the sheer enormity of the story, I, I think, is larger than any story I've been involved in in my career. In your career, wow. And that makes the president's tweets toward you in the New York Times seem all the smaller. He's he's tweeting these small complaints claiming that anonymous sources are made up. Can you just help us reality check, fact check that? I think if anybody reads the stories he's referring to, they will see quotes from emails within the government, quotes from reports from within the government, on-the-record interviews from people within the government. Yes, there are some anonymous sources, but largely, this is a very powerful portrait inside the government based on the writings and the words of people in the government. I would actually hope that people read the story and the headline. I would hope that the president reads it because I, I think his tweet maybe indicates that he had not read it. And I think you will see a very important historic portrait of a government in, in, that was slow to deal with crisis. There's no investigative reporting on anything. We, we just push out whatever's going to be negative for the right. We're going to do that because that's what we do because we're CNN. Do some other petty shit. Left-wing super PAC dumps six-figure ad buy on memes hitting Trump for golfing during pandemic. Obama golfed all the time. There was never criticism. There was, he's the president, and he can be the president anywhere on the planet, and he's the dear one. But Bush got shamed out of golfing at all, and now Trump. Young girl plays basketball alone. City takes hoop as part of social distancing. This happened in Little Rock. They literally went to a private residence and took the fucking Hoop. Yeah. 
News Roundup. Now 25,000 veterans volunteer to return to Army for COVID response. And yeah, they're not, they're, they're not reporting that either. That's pretty fucking awesome. So for, uh, a comedy COVID, this interview I saw on Twitter and I just had to play it. Everybody skating and everything. I'm just saying, I played a hell of a joke on these people at work. Yeah. Look, I locked the door from the outside. They was in there having lunch. I walked in the room. I said, Achoo! <laughs> you should have seen them in there running, trying to get out the windows out of that thing. I said, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. They was in there sweating like a snowman in hell. Look, I just can't wait till you get back to the days where you can stick your in somebody's and not have to wash your hands afterwards. You know, now you got to go ahead and drink a whole bottle of sanitizer before you do anything. The coronavirus is not that damn serious, y'all. <coughs> hey, don't, 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 don't do that. I'm, don't do that. <laughs> Other foolishness from Matt in Oregon. Hillary Clinton, it shouldn't have taken a pandemic for this to happen. The gun nuts are saying there was no school shootings in the last month. Yeah. Considering that your school shootings are BB guns, somebody firing next to school, suicides. Yeah. Suck it. And Matt in Oregon sent me another one that I'm going to put in the religious bash. If I could get it to open. I can't get the file to open, but he gave me a good one. But as we go into Biden, we're going to listen to some basic uh, craziness. Number one. A California rep saying that Trump supporters are the KKK. That's kind of per usual nowadays. Um, we're going to play uh, Scarborough and Mika worrying Trump is an authoritarian, even though the rest of the left is saying that he's not doing enough, which always gets me confused. And Nets misleading claim U.S. leads world in COVID. CBS 13's Ryan Hill is live in Auburn with the mayor's message and the backlash. Ryan? Yeah, that's right. I've spoken with a couple of city council members throughout the day about this. One of them tells me that they've been getting blown up with emails, phone calls, and messages about the mayor's hot takes. The mayor tells me that he does regret posting some of the things that he has online. Fallout from Auburn Mayor Bill Kirby's angry words aimed at President Trump and his supporters. A Facebook group and others are sharing these posts and comments posted by Kirby. One shows a meme stating, good news for Trump supporters is that most of them already have masks, showing a hooded KKK member. Another shows an exchange with Kirby using a four-letter word. And another compares the president and his supporters to Hitler and his supporters, adding that the world would be better off without them. The reaction from Auburn residents? I was definitely shocked. And I don't think it's appropriate, especially in these times. I don't necessarily support Trump, but anytime somebody feels like you, you like the policies of the president, then you're a racist, you're a bigot, uh, you should die, and that sort of thing. And I think that's just uncalled for. Mayor Kirby sent me a statement saying in part, quote, Some people have viewed my posts, which were meant to be private and made out of frustration as over the top. Some were, and I regret that, end quote. Folks in Auburn say whether it was meant to be private or not shouldn't matter. If you're a public figure 
it doesn't matter whose Facebook page, which social media page you're using, in my opinion, because people know who you are. The mayor also tells me that given his experience as a doctor, he feels that the president has put all of us at risk. Several posts responding to the mayor's words call for Kirby's removal from office. A city official tells me city council can't force a sitting council member to resign or remove them from office. But one option is a recall election brought by voters. I think whatever the citizens want to do, they're going to make their voices heard, just like this particular mayor did. I think he's up for a re-election, so uh, make your vote count there. The other options I'm told by this city official is that city council could decide to vote to have to uh, have Kirby no longer serve as mayor but still sit on city council and that the other option is that they are um, also to have that recall um, election as well coming into uh, if uh, voters do want to have that happen. Good evening to you. I'm Mia Granny reporting from the KHOU 11 News Studio in Houston. Worldwide coronavirus deaths now top 107,000, and today the United States surpassed Italy as the country with the most deaths. So far, more than 20,000 Americans have died. About a third of all deaths have happened in New York. Today, the state's governor said those numbers are stabilizing, but at a, quote, horrific rate. Michael George is there and begins our coverage. The country's largest Gothic cathedral sits empty on this holy Saturday as New York City is ravaged by the coronavirus. New York State alone has more coronavirus cases than any country on Earth. And we begin tonight with a disturbing milestone in this coronavirus pandemic. The death toll in this country surpassing 20,000. That includes more than 2,000 lives lost in the last 24 hours. America's deadliest day yet. 783 deaths in New York alone. This latest surge pushing the U.S. total beyond hard-hit Italy after already overtaking Spain, now the deadliest nation in confirmed COVID-19 fatalities. We have reported on the economic toll. Look at this. Cars lined up at food banks across the country. Nearly 17 million Americans suddenly out of work as the first Americans are receiving stimulus checks from the Treasury Department. Concerns tonight over emerging hot zones, cases spiking in Maryland and in Texas, the race to set up field hospitals. There are new reports of trouble with testing in California, thousands still waiting to learn whether they are positive. And the questions on so many minds tonight, when will America reopen? President Trump calling that the biggest decision of his life. Leaders across the country urging Americans to keep their guard up. We will work through it all, and we begin with ABC's Trevor Alt at the Javits Center here in New York City. Tonight, a grim milestone for the United States. More than 20,000 Americans have died from COVID-19, this country now leading the world in reported deaths from the virus. Nobody knows the system better than me. Which is why... I alone can fix it. The powers of the president are very substantial and will not be questioned. Iran is uh, a different place than when I took over. When I took over the United States. When I took over our military, we didn't have ammunition. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. And that's the way it's got to be. 
President Trump added another well, step yesterday in no. his march toward authoritarianism. He tried. He Good tried. morning and welcome to Morning Joe. I mean, it's that's the important Tuesday. thing. He tried. And, you know, the thing is, he, he's done this before. And I know we, we really differ here. I, I know you're very, very concerned when he talks like that. Uh, about the Constitution and the country. I'm actually mainly concerned for his mental health and also the extraordinary... I feel very, very badly whenever he speaks that way, Willie, for uh, people at uh, Penn uh, who have to walk around in shame every day that he graduated from their college knowing no more about history or the Constitution or Madisonian democracy than he does. It's just... Again, and he's just blathered for years. Article 2 gives me all the power I need. And then you'll have Trump apologists going, well, that's not exactly what he meant to say. And he just keeps going back to saying, yes, ultimate power is president of the United States. And he did it again. Look, tomorrow's Super Thursday. Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I'll tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. Oh, I'd like to welcome John to the show. John, thanks for being here, pal. Thank you, sir. Honored to be here. Well, the uh, look, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, with uh, the fact is that uh, there's a lot going on. I don't know even where to begin this, but uh... so finally, the New York Times and Wapo found the Biden sexual harassment story. I was going to read the whole thing. I, I'm just not examining Tara Reid's sexual assault allegation against Joe Biden. Miss Reed, a former Senate aide, is accused by an assaulting her in 93 and says she told others about it. A Biden spokesman, spokeswoman, excuse me, said the allegation is false and former Senate office staff members do not recall such an incident. And that's pretty much the summation of the article. We, no investigation. We talked to some people. Put that motherfucker to bed. Kate Conger was one of the authors of this piece for the New York Times. For Christine Blasey Ford, a drastic turn from a quiet life in academia. That's just one of her many. Rachel Shorey, a no on Kavanaugh yields a windfall for Heidi Camp's campaign coffers. They were all in on Kavanaugh. But when they did this piece, well, we just couldn't find anything. It's kind of like going to an accident and going, yeah, car's crashed. Let's move on. Stephen Miller, I'm sure there's a perfect reasonable explanation why the New York Times deleted that tweet, which no one at the New York Times will explain. August Caesar, the New York Times deleted the tweet. No other allegation about sexual assault surfaced in the course of our reporting, nor did any former Biden staff corroborate Reed's allegations. We found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Biden beyond hugs, kisses, and touching that women previously said made them uncomfortable. They deleted it because of that. A friend said Tara Reid told her the details of the allegation at the time, and another friend and a a brother of Reid said she told them over the years about a traumatic sexual incident involving Biden. 
On Thursday, Tara Reid filed a report with Washington, D.C. police saying she was a victim of sexual assault in 93. The public incident report does not mention Biden by name, but said she the complaint was about him. As it turns out, the Times didn't just edit their story, but a tweet was also deleted that pretty much took bias to the next level. We've deleted a tweet in this thread that has some imprecise language that has been changed in the story. The deleted tweet shows Biden was afforded a level of spin that certainly never would have been provided to any Republican. ALX, we found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Biden beyond a pattern of sexual misconduct. No other allegation of sexual assault surfaced in the course of reporting. No pattern of sexual misconduct by Biden beyond hugs, kisses, and touching that women previously said made them uncomfortable. Boom, there it is. Now, I want us to go back and remember, Biden has sent news media, you will report stories like this, and we have found on our podcast, they've done it. They've fucking done it. This was another one. That tweet went out. It's a true tweet that he does make people uncomfortable. But then they called him and they took it away. Joe Concha, the tweet deleted by the Times appears to be the one that actually said this. We found no pattern of sexual conduct but hugs and kisses. The most shocking bit in the deep dive into the sexual assault allegation level against Joe Biden that we told you about this morning was this sentence, we found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Biden beyond hugs and kisses. No other allegations, blah, 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 blah. They stealth edited that part out. Jonathan Boo and vote Cone, what a sentence. I don't know what that means. No allegations of sexual assault surfaced. The Times found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Biden. That's what they put it in. Instead of the hugs and kisses and everything else. They got rid of it. Derek Mead. While this tweet is still in original form, the Times has deleted the Beyond Clause from its online story with no note or explanation. Brian Joy Gray, the Times found no pattern of sexual misconduct for Mr. Biden. I'm not sure how the line of the New York Times long-delayed coverage of Tara Reid accusation could sit along reporting that seven other women have accused Biden of sexual misconduct. Seema Hernandez, a journalist. Eight women have come forward to speak on their non-consensual interaction with Joe Biden. Biden displays his sense of entitled when he violates personal space. It's documented in videos where he was VP in campaign rallies. Byron York, in New York Times, Bayon YT asked top editor Dean Biquette some excellent questions about the paper's Tara Reid coverage versus his Kavanaugh coverage. Gets weak and sometimes laughable answers. I've been looking at the Times coverage of Justice Brent M. Kavanaugh. I want to focus particularly on Julie Swinnick allegation. She was the one who was represented by Michael Lavani and who suggested that Kavanaugh had been involved in frat house rapes and then appeared to walk back elements of her allegation. The Times wrote that story the same day she made the allegation, knowing that none of Ms. Swinnick's claims could be independently corroborated. Why was Kavanaugh treated differently? This answer is fucking, it, it just shows. They know they can do whatever they want. They know that everybody knows they're biased. And they're basically saying, go fuck yourself, deplorable. Kavanaugh was already in a public forum in a large way. That's his first statement. Joe Biden's been in politics since I was a fucking in diapers. 
Kavanaugh's status as Supreme Court justice was in question because of very serious allegation. Well, so is the guy running for president. I don't mean in a public way of Tara Reid's. If you ask the average person in America, they didn't know about Tara Reid's case, so I thought in the case of the New York Times is going to introduce this to readers, we need to introduce it with some reporting and perspective. Kavanaugh was in a very different situation. It was a live, ongoing story that had become the biggest political story in the country. It was just a different news judgment moment. No, it was a conservative, and Biden's a Democrat. PCH political. Why don't you just say the obvious? Obvious. Kavanaugh's a conservative and opposed to abortion, and Biden is a Democrat and supports abortion. That's the difference in a nutshell. Any other explanation is a joke. Another reply. Well, that is a terrible answer. Biden is the presumptive nominee for the president. That is not high profile enough to write about Tara Reid. The election cycle is in full swing. How is it not relevant? I mean, what the fuck? Somebody put this up. President Trump has been accused of sexual assault and misconduct by more than a dozen women who described a pattern of behavior that went far beyond the accusation against Mr. Biden. The president also directed illegal payments, including 130000 to a pornographic film actress, Stormy Daniels, before the 2016 election, to silence women about the alleged affair. Mr. Trump has even boasted about this mistreatment of women in a 2005 recording. Even so, Mr. Trump has at times attacked opponents over their treatment of women. The president has not mentioned Miss Reed's allegation, which is circulated on social media and liberal news. AG conservative, now AG Hamilton. Why would Trump even be mentioned in the story about sexual allegations against Biden? It's beyond parody. They basically ignored the allegation for weeks and published a full defense for Biden that includes whataboutism. The double standard is so transparent that it's embarrassing. And I don't even agree with the Kavanaugh comparison others they're making. While the allegation here has significant weakness, I personally do not believe it. It is a hundred times stronger than an allegation against Kavanaugh. This is an actual Biden staffer. Remember, the press spent a month essentially arguing that underage drinking was evidence of Kavanaugh's committed sexual assault, but a long pattern of hugs, kisses, and touching that women previously said made them uncomfortable proves Biden is innocent. Honestly, that isn't even the craziest line in the story. This line where they imply Reed filed a false police report and could face consequences is insane. Can you imagine them implying Ford or Ramirez should face consequences for a false allegation in their initial reporting? They, they put it in the story. They blamed the victim. They blamed the victim. A.G. Hamilton again. Also, Banquet admits they had edited out the end of the line about other sexual misconduct in response to complaints from Biden. Now, I didn't know this when I said it, but there it is. I want to ask about some edits that were made after publication, the deletion of sex, second half of the sentence, the Times found a no pattern, sexual conduct, Mr. Biden beyond the hugs, kisses, blah, blah, blah. Even though a lot of us, including me, had looked at it before the story went into the paper, I think that the campaign thought that the phrasing was awkward and made it look like there were other instances in which he had been accused of sexual misconduct, and that's not what the sentence was intended to say. <laughs> Laura, nonsense, Ed. Orange man bad. That's all it is. Another one. Electing Trump when he had a credible sexual assault accusation against him was an outrage and proves Republicans hate women, etc. Beside offensive kisses and hugs, and oh yeah, the rape accusations have nothing on Biden. A decent man. Biden 2020. Same hypocrites. 
also bearing the story on Easter and people are going to have other stuff going on, won't paying attention. That isn't a coincidence. It's to let us know they know Joe's guilty and they're giving him a pass. And to give them cover when Trump and allies say the media ignored the story. This lets the Brian Seltzers of the world say, see, journalists did cover it. It's pre-gaslighting. It's better if you think of the New York Times piece on Biden as immunization rather than a story. That's so true. New York Times editor admits Biden campaign edited their sexual assault allegation. Became a whole story. Another story, New York Times on Biden, no misconduct. That was before it. And then we get to WAPO. Democracy dies in something. Washington Post finally discovers Biden's sexual abuse claim. Almost three weeks after a woman accused presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden of sexual assault, the Washington Post on Monday finally noticed the story. However, the 3,000-word article offered extreme skepticism about the accuser that is not often shown in the allegations perpetrator is a Republican. The headline on the front page of the print edit read, Women Accused Biden of Sex Assault as if it's just happened. The subheadline begins a skeptical tone. Biden campaign denies allegation for former center staffer. Inside the paper, the A14 headline, page 14. Remember that. <clears throat> Offered another assist. Then supervisors say they heard nothing about the salt, trying to justify just getting to the story. The Post, Beth Reinhardt, Elise Vibeck, Matt Weiser, and Elise Kreitz, who all crushed Kavanaugh, California woman who last year said Joe Biden touched her neck of soldiers when shoulder when she worked in the Senate office in 1993 is now accusing him of sexually assaulting her and that year in a uh, semi-private area of Capitol complex. The Washington Post has been examining Tara Reid's allegation over the past three weeks since she said on a pod- podcast that Biden had pinned her against the wall, reached under her skirt, and pushed his finger inside her. At the time, she was 29-year-old staff assistant. Trying to balance this horrific accusation against Biden, the reporters typically brought it back to Trump. The former vice president has been accused of unwanted hugging and other physical contact, but the Post found no other allegations against him as serious as Reid's. More than a dozen women, by contrast, but Trump. Mm-hmm. Rose McGowan is the only one that's staying current. As a survivor, the way you launched into this woman's assault is truly vile. I feel violated by your shitty writing. And she reaches out to the authors of it. Your motto is democracy dies in the darkness. Well, I guess it's dead because you're dark. Evil lives and it loves the DNC. In contrast to 2019, where's the outrage for a sexual abuse accusation, uh, accusation against Donald Trump? Writing in the Post, then free supplement, The Express, political reporter Amber Phillips decried, a woman has accused President Trump of forcibly sexually assaulting her and powerful politicians on both sides of the aisle aren't really that out- outraged. In fact, many of them don't seem to uh, seem focused on E. Jean Carroll's accusation at all. According to the Washington Post survey of top lawmakers this week, the tone is a bit different than the opening of the belated story on Biden when you say, keep in mind that as serious as Reed could include hugs, kisses, touching that women previously said made them uncomfortable. <clears throat> Beth Reinhardt. Reed's account of the 93 assault was corroborated by a friend. She said that she told at the time. The former vice president has been accused by several women of unwanted touching, but the Post found no other allegations against him as serious as Reed's. Responses. 
We are the darkness where democracy dies because we beat it with sticks until it's dead. Then we dump the body in the Potomac. Kyle Kashtev, Brian Seltzer, sexual survivor allegation, tweet counter. Tara Reed, zero. Christine Blasey Ford, 44. None of the networks have touched it. None. To show you the thing, each outlet made a point about boasting that the reporters have been sitting on the story for weeks asking Reed questions in an attempt to vet her credibility. Yet this is the same media who didn't care about how credible Ford's allegation were against Supreme Court. ABC, NBC, and CBS eagerly rushed to air her flimsy-supported story, spending 305 minutes on it in 12 days after it became public. AP reporter Julie Pace even claimed it was inappropriate to question Blasey Ford. That's when we started the Me Too. That's when we started this. It was all because of her, and you must believe women. You can't question women's stories. It's 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 not surprising, but I'm not even remotely surprised. This this is what we do. I mean, this is how they play the game. Life site news. Joe Biden's a pro-abortion extremist who should never be elected president. And they re- just list all the things that he does. I mean, it's he is for abortion to college. Joe Concha. <clears throat> Reed seems almost engineering in a lab to inspire skepticism in mainstream Democrats, both because her story keeps changing and because of a bizarre public worship of President Vladimir Putin. That's the New York Times. From the New York Times. But absent other accusations that it's going to happen, Reed seems almost engineered in a lab to inspire skepticism in mainstream Democrats, both because her story keeps chasing and because of bizarre public worship of Putin. President Putin has a learned combination of strength with gentleness, she wrote in a since-deleted 2018 Medium post. His sensuous image projects his love for life, the embodiment of grace while facing adversity. Reed has since said her comments about Russia stem from a novel she was writing. In December, she tweeted with worrying grandiosity, I worked for the Senate. I know the plan to bring Russia to its knees. Gerald Byer. Wuhan virus might have come from Chinese lab. Nutty conspiracy. Reed seems almost engineered in the lab. Michelle Goldberg, New York Times. <clears throat> By the way, um, this is what she wrote about Kavanaugh. What do the what to do with Tara Reed's allegation against Joe Biden? Kavanaugh pigs all the way down. Kavanaugh. And our rotting, ruling class. I can answer this for Goldberg. Me Too is being trolled. Me Too trolled itself when they they and Joe Biden declared we must believe all women without due process. These are your rules, and now you have to play by them. Gerald Breyer again. A sexual assault accusation against the presumptive Democratic nominee is being used to troll the Me Too movement. 
And on the Wuhan, during interaction with scientists at the WIV laboratory, they noted the new lab has a serious shortage of appropriate trained technicians and investigators needed to safely operate the high containment laboratory. January 2018 investigation on Wuhan lab. So, yeah, there you go. That's a conspiracy. But a woman saying she was sexually assaulted by Biden, she's the conspiracy. It's not even surprising. It's just not even remotely surprising with our media. All right, so to our music break and news and social media nuggets, where we'll do a religious bash up front, then gay shit. Uh, here is one of the many funny stits. I gotta admit, the SNL at home was actually funny. So we're gonna do, uh, the SNL Zoom meeting. I, I cracked up on this. It was pretty funny. And they didn't do politics other than the middle section, the weekend update, which I never watched. So, um, enjoy. And then we'll come in, uh, to a bumper of what the media is. Anti-Christian. Hey, everybody. Hi. Hey. Welcome to Sales Corp Industries first Zoom call. Uh, this is how we're going to be doing meetings now. So we wanted to get everyone acquainted with the program with a little Zoom tutorial. On the call today, we got Brian from Sales. Oh man, it's so good to see everybody. At a safe distance, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got Crystal from Market Research. Uh, sorry, my place is such a wreck. No, nah, it looks perfect. We got Kevin from Research. Are any of y'all wearing pants? Now, be honest now. <laughs> Zoom is fun. Uh-oh, it is, it is. And, of course, Henriette and Nan are fun receptionists. Uh, yeah, it is. Yes, well, we just work the phones normally, so we're going to see. Uh, hello, hello. I, I got an email address for this. Uh, that, that's great. Uh, we're glad to have you. You guys will be just fine. Zoom has different layouts, so go ahead and play around with the view on your screen while we chat. Uh, anybody up to anything fun at home? Well, mainly like a lot of my cat looking at me like, um, shouldn't you be at work? <laughs> Yeah, I know. My dogs are so happy right now. I take them on like 12 walks a day. Does Does anyone else fully hate their kids? <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it's been reevaluating which of my mugs I think are the funniest. <laughs> okay. Now, this isn't right, is it? Yes, and I, I recorded my own commentary for a dog's purpose. I think this is not right. You just don't need to be so close to the camera. Okay. Well, I've been calling into QVC and telling them, telling them how good of a job I think that they're doing. Just reset the camera. Okay. Like this. Did I activate Zoom? Uh, Nope. You turned it off, and it looks like your avatar is a picture of Wayne Brady. Uh, Henriette and Nan, guys, just point the camera at you and just leave it be. <laughs> we're, we're not cut out for this. I thought this computer only did solitaire. <laughs> we ruined the Zoom. No, no. God, hey, don't cry. Wow. No one ruined the Zoom. We're all learning here, okay? 
why don't I just show you guys some of the other cool features it has, okay? Like there's virtual background. Even though you're at home, you can you can change the background to a beach or wherever you'd most like to be. This is <clears> my <throat> beach. It's the only file I have on my computer, and it's my favorite doctor. The poster from The Good Doctor? He's a doctor, but he's different. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can also share your screen down here. Oh, wow. Either your desktop or an application. Okay. Am I doing it? I was going for desktops. What part of my screen are you seeing? It, we're seeing a Google search that says, Siri, is my daughter pregnant? Okay. But I was wondering, if a hacker gets a hold of a Zoom, no. what, what can they tell what can I tell oh, no. me? No, 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 no. No, please don't bring it into the bathroom. We oh. can see you always. I didn't, I didn't know. Okay, my screen is dark again. Darn it. No, don't don't take your clothes off, Nan. No, 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 no. Don't take your clothes off. Oh, my God. No, don't. Stop. Both of you. I'm sorry to do this, guys. Just please stop. Please. <laughs> Oh no. I'm bad news. I'm from hell. <laughs> I just found out I'm supposed to tip waiters. I found out I've been wearing my shoes on the wrong feet. Ah. Okay, Henriette, Nan, don't be so hard on yourselves, guys. This technology is new. You're staying home. I'm sure you're great at that. No, we're not. I've never used soap before. I used my license as toilet paper, and now I don't know my own birthday. Okay, that that's probably enough. My husband says I can only use one sheet of toilet paper, but I need three to get all the dookie out. If I can't kiss my kids on the mouth, I'm gonna hurt an animal. I tried to clean my ass in the middle of the night with the hose in the driveway, and I went, I went viral. Okay, you know what? Let's call it. Henrietta and Nan, uh, we don't need you to be on any Zoom calls. Thank God. Oh, Thank God. Okay. Hey, um, does anybody know where I can find Nan's hose video? Yeah, I'll send it to everybody. Thanks, brother. Oh, thank you. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Did you make up some story about me to tell Adam? 
I had to explain why I wanted you off this project. And why do you? You know why. I'm feeling guilty enough. Stop pretending there's not this thing between us. What thing? You're a beautiful woman, obviously, but I thought that we were just working together. So when you touched my hand at the manor, that meant nothing? Or when you brushed my hair away from my face or told me you were flirting, there was nothing behind any of that? Okay. I guess there's no point adding a lie to my list of sins. Um, yes, I do have feelings for you, Crystal. Tempting a man of God wasn't exactly in my redemption plan. And being tempted wasn't in mine. Well, what do we do now? This. If we have the gala at the manor, then we can save a lot of money. We just need to dress it up a little. Oh, I've seen your house on lifestyles of the insanely wealthy. We might have to dress it down. It's actually pretty homey. Okay, don't you have a whole room just for guns? That's pretty crazy, even for Georgia. Oh, it's just functional, really. Mm. I'll have to give you a tour. I'd love that. Get a chance to see your inner sanctum. Didn't sound right. No. <laughs> Got a little. <clears throat> we should really finish this. Actually, let's do that later. Um, I forgot that I have to be somewhere. I'll see you later. Recall that a few weeks back, Donald Trump declared himself a wartime president. Well, this week in a New York Times editorial headlined, Trump is the wartime president, we have not the one we need. Former National Security Advisor Susan Rice wrote, unfortunately, few of his actions display the leadership we need from a wartime commander-in-chief who is confronting a viral version of World War II. She's just one of many Americans echoing a shared sentiment of the country's lack of leadership at a national level during these unprecedented times. Joining me now is John Meacham, Rogers Distinguished Professor at Vanderbilt University, MSNBC contributor and author of The Hope of Glory, Reflections on the Last Words of Jesus Christ from the Cross. And, and John, let's just start with this. I know you study a lot of things from music to presidential history to religion uh and this is a holy week this is a holy weekend for yeah. christians and for jews and i think for people who maybe don't even consider it that holy or maybe they're they're lapsed in their religion it's taken on a new meaning because uh people need guidance and they need leadership and we have certainly found it lacking at our national level now to the scathing new report on the Trump administration's failure to respond to the coronavirus pandemic. The New York Times finding that the White House wasted vital time in the early days of the crisis that may have cost American lives. ABC's Rachel Scott is in D.C. with more. Good morning to you, Rachel. Eva, good morning. President Trump has said no one saw a pandemic like this coming. But the New York Times reports his top advisors and health officials did and that they tried to warn him. Overnight, President Trump touted his administration's handling of the coronavirus crisis, calling his response swift. We did it the right way. We, uh, we took care of social distancing and all of the things, words that nobody ever heard before. But a new report from the New York Times claims the president repeatedly brushed off early warning signs from the intelligence community, top advisors and health officials. 
According to the Times, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar sounded the alarm about the possibility of a pandemic on a January 30th call with the president. But his concerns were dismissed. Weeks later, on February 21st, disaster response official Dr. Robert Cadlick held a meeting with the Coronavirus Task Force. The Times reports the group concluded they would soon need to move toward aggressive social distancing. But the president did not go forward with those measures for more than three weeks. Just last Monday, he insisted the virus hit the U.S. unexpectedly. This came out of nowhere. But ABC News has learned intelligence agencies were warning of a contagion sweeping through China back in November. And by early January, sources tell ABC that information was included in the president's daily intelligence brief. When did you first learn about the intelligence and could you have acted on it then? Well, I learned when I started, when I learned about the gravity of it was sometime just prior to closing the country to China. That's what the media was doing on the day of Easter, and the last soundbite was Kentucky. Democrat governor recording license plate of Easter Sunday church orders, ordering them to 14-day quarantine. Bashir said local officials are being directed to record license plate numbers of participants to pass local health departments. Those who attend these gatherings can expect public health officials to show up in the door with mandates that they self-quarantine for 14 days. If you're going to expose yourself to virus, it's not fair to everyone else out there. You might spread it too. Understand this is the only way we can assure your decision doesn't kill somebody. The order reportedly does not apply to drive-in services, but seemingly include a house of worships that implement social distancing efforts and smaller services. There has been increased focus on religious services and nation crafts in response to China virus. Uh, New York, Mil de Blasio, for example, has been criticized, been criticized for outright hostile to the faithful, namely Christians and Jews. The mayor has seen houses of worship non-essential and threatened to close down churches. So I want to say to all those preparing to potential religious services weekend, if you go to your synagogue, if you go to your church and attempt to hold service, we will shut it down. See, so he added synagogue from the first one, but he never said anything about mosque. Um, a reporter was on this, and this is how I found it. Um, Cheryl Ladd, TMZ, church packed for Easter despite nails in parking lot. Kentucky State Police were circling parking lot of church that's packed for Easter service, defying state orders, and issued warnings and not citations. Maryville Baptist Church in Hillville, Kentucky, drew what seemed to be clearly a full house Sunday morning. Reporter Sarah Ladd with Louisville Courier Journal captured pictures from the parking lot where you could hear the pastor leading congregation. The church has set up a speaker outside and is playing the service through it. We shall rise. The parking lot showing cars. Shortly before the service began, volunteers were clearing the parking lot of nails apparently left there by someone who wanted to discourage the service. 
which is violating Kentucky's safer at home gathering. She took a picture of it. Um, piles of nails have been scattered everywhere. So far, the cops aren't shutting down the service or arresting churchgoers. Instead, they're leaving notifications on the cars and the lot informing the owners they are potentially spreading COVID. Putting notices on every car, even those belonging to the press and media. The entire world faster. Oh, you guys are above the rules? Is that what you're saying? I mean, the only thing I could find in the media was LA Times. Doesn't really feel like Easter for black churches. Coronavirus changed everything. Yeah. Black churches. Conan O'Brien. Trump says Jesus could have avoided crucifixion by taking hydrochloroquine. The world attacked him. And then I went online. He has risen. Jesus rose. Resurrection. All hijacked by anti-religious zealots. Gay Baker in Colorado is now being sued again for refusing a gender reveal cake. You won't do a gender reveal cake. So, once again, it's an agency going after his business. But my favorite is from Matt in Oregon. Christ the Redeemer pays tribute to coronavirus doctors and nurses. Or Marco Garcia and other Rio de Janeiro illuminated the iconic Christ the Redeemer statue on Sunday in an Easter tribute to doctors and nurses battling the global coronavirus outbreak. Depictions of medical workers and messages of hope in several languages reportedly projected onto the 125-foot-tall statue atop a Corcovo mountain in Brazil's largest city. So I guess the new god is doctors. I don't know. But it was exactly what I was going to think it was going to be. I knew it was going to happen. It was only Democrat mayors that did it. In the Maryville church, they were in their cars listening to a service. They were social distanced. They were not inside the building. But now those people are going to go to their house and somebody's going to come and say, you can't leave your house for 14 days. We don't give a fuck if you don't want food. We don't care if you work. You're done. And it's directly towards Christians. But my biggest pet peeve and why I'm not really reading a lot of the He is Risen, Jesus Rose, and Resurrection tweets, because those are just what the left does. They hate Christians. They decided in our gay shit section, which we're about to do, to have LGBTQ Sunday on Easter Sunday. And it sounded like this. I fucking hate Windows. That's all I got to say. I have been sitting here for one hour for a fucking update. A fucking update. Just shit the bed, Fred. Anyway, so last uh, hour ago, I said when this is what it was, sun gay. So basically, this is typical liberalism on, on the core level. But it's typical LGBT mafia. Some pics that didn't make the cut for Insta LGBTQ Sunday. On Easter Sunday, gay people posting pictures of themselves going, Hi, I'm gay. Uh, dudes with their tongues out. And 
wow, it was, I, I, I just think it's so inappropriate. If there was LGBT day, I don't post Jesus stuff. And some of them, professional overthinker. And you go there and there's nothing about gay. They don't say they're gay. They don't say they're bi. They don't say anything. They just want to be cool. So for some gay, for some attention, they post up pictures. And I'm going to do something I've never done during this. I'm going to have an alternate story in gay shit. And it, once again, blows me away that I didn't even know about this case more. Maybe it's because I'm a guy. But this documentary we watched pretty much sums up our current crop of millennial dumbasses. So some of you may already know this case, but this girl basically talked a kid into committing fucking suicide. And it was all because she just wanted attention. Be able to say she was watching TV shows and in her head she could have more friends or her friends would spend more time of her. She had a, some kind of fucking drama. And she talked a kid into committing suicide. They weren't really in a relationship. They'd maybe seen each other a couple times, but they texted all the time. And he got out of a car that he was killing himself with carbon monoxide and he she said, get back in the fucking car. Because it was a liberal state, she got eight or 15 months in jail. And now they'll make movies about her. So, I mean, she is a poster child for this, this country right now. And Sungay, not that I researched everybody, I went to a lot of their sites. They weren't gay. 
But the point was, why would you do that on Easter Sunday? Oh, I know why. Because bashing Christians is what we do. Uh, advocate. During Easter, some religious leaders display ungodliness. A group of pastors defy shelter in place and show how little they care about their congregants. Surprisingly in this, it's no black churches or Muslims. Hmm. Interesting. Transgender teens suffer high rates of depression, new study shows. Journal of Endocrine Society. Now let's listen to this one because we just did one last podcast. The retrospective chart reviewed title Psychiatric, Psychiatric, let's say it in, in English. Comorbidities, sexual orientation, impact of therapeutic interventions, and a gender nonconforming pediatric practice. What the fuck? It's studying the mental files of 158 transgender adolescents who sought care at a pediatric endocrinology clinic in Miami and used the data as a demographic as clinical characteristics obtained from electronic records. Those studied included 107 trans males, 47 trans females, and four who identified as non binary. Lead researcher Veronica. Blah blah blah. Nicholas Children's Hospital in Miami know that 66.5 of the transgender teen patients reviewed suffered from depression. And now that is a full blown study. A slice of one hospital. They're running this like a big thing. Tell me how many teenage kids don't have depression. I know when I was going through puberty, I had depression. I also had zits. Virginia governor signs first LGBTQ inclusive civil rights law. We're going to cover this twice because he also did a statue banning. Northam signed the Virginia Value Act into law Saturday, making the state the first in the South with an LGBTQ inclusive anti-discrimination statute. The act prohibits discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity and housing, public and private employment, public accommodations, and access to Credit. That was already in the laws, but it just didn't say gay. So now they put the gay in it, and they're special. Yeah. They are all going to get voted out of office. I mean, they are just going to get destroyed. It is unbelievable how crazy this legislator went with that crazy, if the baby's alive, we'll think about it bullshit, nothing but cherry-picked crazy-ass cause du jour back to back to back. Here's a gay uh, adult media empire. Circus of Books trailer shows a straight couple's gay media empire. I had to play it. I saw this on another show and it just blew me away because yeah, you could see it. They don't look like they'd be yeah, just saying. I'm Karen. I'm Barry. We own Circus of Books. I thought it was just a bookstore with a circus theme. (laughs) Circus of Books was the center of the gay universe. Just like porn, P-O-R-N. If anyone asked us what our parents did, these are called cock rings. The official answer was, we own a bookstore. Porn has always had a place in the gay community. To see men naked and unafraid. They're not offended. They're not scandalized. It's their job. This guy here, Hand Jobs Magazine, now he does organic chicken farming. So when I order from him, we catch up on his chickens. 
This is the face of Santa Monica Boulevard. In the 80s, if you could sell adult material, you could make a lot of money. We were probably the biggest distributor of hardcore gay films in the United States. But I never felt free to let anybody know what we did. Mom was caught between this stuffy conservative synagogue and the business. It was like a knife over our heads all the time. We just were completely kept in the dark. Is he okay? More than 800 cases nationwide, and yet still, surprisingly few people are familiar with the acquired immune deficiency syndrome. We lost so many of our employees. We would call the parents and say, hey, your son is sick. Parents would just say, I never want to see the guy again. But he's your son. They didn't set out to support the gay community, but they were not going to let other forces tell them what to do. Circus of Books was my first glimpse into the fact that I wasn't alone as a gay person. To be a homo was unspeakable. This bookstore, it kept me out of harm's way. No one has ever given us anything we haven't had to fight for. I think what we did was small human kindnesses in a very small way. You guys made all of us? Yeah, I'll take you to college. As Forrest Gump says, that's all I'm going to say about that. Paige Creaseman kicked out of the military, now running for office. After becoming a victim of Trump's purge on trans service members, this young candidate is looking to make history in Oregon. Even with the pandemic, blah, 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 Paige Creaseman thought she would be getting into the trans army vet is running for representative of the District 42 in Portland, the House of Representatives. Creaseman is the first trans woman to ever run for state legislator, a Democratic Socialist. Creaseman is a longtime activist who proudly places her LGBTQ identity as well as her embrace of the working class front and center. She doesn't look like a dude. In this article, it doesn't really say what she was. So I don't, I don't know if she was a dude or she was a girl trying to be a boy. She doesn't look male at all. So she either have a really good plastic surgery and done through it or I don't know. I can't find any information. They just put it out there and she said it. Uh, so there it is. And lastly on our gay shit, because I condensed this, this whole section down because it's, you know, well, we got a lot of politics podcasts. Here is the uh, sweet lesbian story. It's all over the place. guess it's a player something. Into everything is racist. We, we met at a wedding, actually. She thinks we met at a wedding. Oh, gosh. It was a beautiful ceremony. I stalked her on Facebook for like six months. <laughs> This bringing together of like two souls. No, no, more like like eight months. Like a perfect unity. Okay, if you count Instagram, like fifteen months. Like, like two perfectly imperfect hearts. But I followed her on my fake artist account, forming like a perfectly imperfect artiste celestial mama of the highest order. 
duo in a space. Alcohol is crazy, stupid. Okay. Like a like a love universe. But I mainly posted pics of like shitty art. I don't know, just like a meshing in mm-hmm. and off, which I found hilarious. I don't know, it's like a like a net or a web. No, like a dream catcher. Of- but I mainly use it to hit up the honeys, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 of like hearts and love mm. and dreams. And then one day she appeared before my love the praise. And dreams of being a unit. Love the pride? And there they were. They found each other. The pride too. Out of so, the millions of tiny like... Yeah, and let's face it. She's hot as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. Like penguins, mm-hmm. looking for like a penguin and crying. Yeah, yo, she's got this like whoop, and he's like bang bang. Ah! <laughs> in a sea, in like a world sea of everyone. Yeah, but uh, but officially at a wedding. And so there we were celebrating them in this like beautiful forest of serenity. Yo, not a fan of nature, BT dubs. <laughs> This remote oasis in nature. I was like, I don't care if this is a wedding. I'm still going to wear my shit kickers. And, <laughs> and we were surrounded by like a sisterhood of... Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why, but bugs really love my damn ankle. Of like love and support and... And my vajayjay. <laughs> anyway, it was everything. I'm just kidding. I would never let any bugs near my zone. <laughs> And there she was, except her. And I couldn't take my eyes off her. Caroline. Boo. Sweet Caroline. My foo boo. (laughs) My future boo. Caroline, ba ba ba. Good times never seem so good. <laughs> oh, this is gonna sound like such a cliche. But with all the social media stuff inside, and fantasizing about what the real thing would be, like after being alone for so long, I, I didn't think she'd be so beautiful in real life. And like I never thought that anyone would really be the one. Mm. And there she was. And there she was. I'd be inclined to believe they never would. Oh, love, love, love. I can honestly say This is so fucking cliche It came out of nowhere But I don't think I'd ever really Like completely took me by surprise Like been in love? Yeah because we started out as friends no, and like like really been in love And she has such a big personality You're like love love <laughs> maybe, maybe I was fucked up <laughs> And I didn't have any good love role model Oh my god it is a lot to take in <laughs> Parents even really love each other because she's loud. Yeah, or they, or they even love me. And abrasive. You know? <laughs> but whatever, you know. You know, she thinks she's hilarious. <laughs> you deal with the cards you're given. So I do this thing where I put my hand on her shoulder. I turned out okay. And I say, bring it down if you're not just kidding, because, you know, 
The crowd ain't buying it, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> she does make me laugh though. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, one night, one night, we were just hanging out. Yeah, I was having one of those days. Yeah, I was just having one of those days where you just, just feel, you just feel like, like shit for no reason, so many reasons. But you know something's missing. You feel like nothing is ever gonna make you feel any better. And out of nowhere, I swear I did not see it coming. I reached over. She reached over. And I said I'm a pig. And I see her. I start to have my pinky. So I stuck out my pinky. My, my big girly. And then we were holding pinkies. Girl pinky. <laughs> And suddenly, and suddenly, oh, I felt, I felt safe, safe for the first time. Seconds to be touching me, touching you. <laughs> I'm gonna ask her to marry me. Minutes Overtime. For our story this week on 60 Minutes, we interviewed Peter Navarro, President Trump's trade advisor, who was given the added title of Defense Production Act Policy Coordinator. In his new role, Navarro is in charge of the federal response of getting personal protective equipment, or PPE, for America's medical workers. 
Navarro was at times more interested in questioning 60 Minutes' record than in discussing preparations the Trump administration made for this global pandemic. You say this could not have been anticipated. Intelligence agencies anticipated it. Other foreign countries. Well, yeah, but, but no, no, no other foreign countries anticipated it. I don't know what you mean. It's like if, if an intelligence agency said a global pandemic could happen, right? I mean, I'm sure they've been saying that for for decades, and nobody took them seriously. Why? Well, I mean, black swans are hard to sell, and this was the 500-year flood. I mean, look, this hasn't happened since 1917. But it's so happening today on your watch. You can line up every watch. president since then and say, "Why didn't you think this could happen again?" But that's not productive right now. Have that episode, and I challenge you: show me the 60 Minutes episode a year ago, two years ago, or during the Obama administration, or during the Bush administration, that said, "Hey, global pandemic's coming. You got to do X, Y, and Z." And by the way. We would shut down the entire global economy to fight it. Show me that episode, then you'll have some credence in terms of of attacking the Trump administration for not being prepared. I guarantee you, we did. The Centers for Disease Control tells us that the way this virus is spreading is unprecedented. H1N1 is a pandemic, meaning it's a global epidemic. It's the first flu pandemic in 41 years. It has the potential to cause an influenza pandemic similar to the one that killed 50 million people in 1918. It may not happen, but billions of dollars are being spent to sequence its genes, track its movements, and slow its progress in what many people believe could be a race against time. If H5N1 were to become highly contagious in humans this winter, it could spread to every country in the world in a matter of months. There is no way that governments, health organizations, and pharmaceutical manufacturers would be able to produce sufficient amounts of the strongest antiviral drugs or vaccines to contain it. Right now, and we all admit that, right now, if we had an explosion of an H5N1, we would not be prepared for that. Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health is the nation's point man on the avian flu. The NIH is now testing a vaccine that's made from the current bird virus, but whether it would work against some future mutant strain that is contagious in humans is anybody's guess. The White House has proposed a 7.1 billion dollar program to prepare for the pandemic. Plans are underway to stockpile drugs and medical supplies, and to develop treatment plans, quarantine strategies, and better and quicker ways to manufacture vaccines. But what money can't buy is time. You see, this whole business with the H5N1 virus is an exercise to try and improve our capabilities of fighting off a pandemic. Well, I don't see it as an exercise because it could be the big one. It could be, and if it is, all rushing around, doing what we need to do, pushing the envelope, is not for naught or in vain. That was 60 Minutes. This is an article from Darut. Trump official acts black. 60 Minutes reporter: Why they didn't cover global pandemic under Obama. 60 Minutes pulls out CBS length receipt, and for some reason, because it was a black guy, this became yeah. Black reporters don't take no shit. But when I went to watch this, this is the article I found from our resident racist. Yeah, you know, Damon Racist Young. Trifling Negroes like Jerome Adams, 
Surgeon General. Explain. So I guess you're back with the explainer thing for good, huh? I wouldn't say that I didn't watch The Color Purple until 2011, so you know I don't like to commit to things. That makes no sense. Neither does RZA calling himself Bobby Digital, but doing his IG live battle through the Sony Pressman. But it does have to make sense to me. Okay, so who is Jerome Adams? Jerome Adams is an anesthesiologist who's been Surgeon General since 2017. He's also from Maryland, grew up on a farm, and kind of sort of looks like a guy in a 90s black movie who left the main character cousin for his white grad assistant. Oh! Yeah, he's a sellout. You mean the Michael Beach? Yeah, he's definitely from the Michael Beach form of traditional, attractive, light-skinned men who embezzle their children's trust fund for essential oil pyramid scheme. And there you go with the light skin. Black people bitch a lot about fucking white racists, but they're racist as fuck to light skin. I learned that in the fucking 80s in the army. Media doesn't report that. Interesting. Hmm, that seems unfair. Feels like you're projecting personal qualities onto him based on the fact that he's appointed by Trump. I'm not, at least not yet. I'll get there soon. I'm just saying he's a cast as a black movie from 1999, but you have to admit that there is something off with each of the black people placed in prominent positions of Trump. Ben Carson hasn't been awake since season two of Insecure. Amorosa is somehow a church lady now, and Jerome Adams will steal your porch steps while you're on vacation. Seriously, the sore, oh, he's a porch N-word. Nice. So a black person who volunteered to be politically aligned with Trump has some severe sensibility and moral deficits. You need them to be able to sacrifice your soul for a seat at the wretched table. Basically, you need a trifle in as fuck, and Jerome Adams is proof of that. Makes sense. So why is he in the news today? During a press conference Friday afternoon, Adams made a direct appeal to blacks, and we already covered it. This alone was a bizarre and dangerous thing for a Surgeon General for no other reason than the fact that we know that the structure of racism is why the coronavirus is disproportionately impact on us, not behavior. That's fallen out of the news because they can't really prove it with stats. It's kind of funny. And we know Adam is aware of it off-spoke on us too, which makes a statement just odd. Maybe he went off script. Maybe he has charged implant in him that shocks him whenever he's not blaming us enough. I don't know. I do know that whatever followed was absurd. What happened? Okay, blah, blah, blah. So what's bad about that, though? I mean, he's just using a language that many of us use ourselves because you can't divorce language from context. This is the head medical officer in the country. Basically, he works for Trump. You can't say that. This is also why it sounds so damn unnatural, like a bot who learned how to speak by reading 100,000 black tweets. Even if he wasn't Surgeon General with just my cousin Jerome at a game night and said, we need to step up for Granddaddy and Big Mama, I would... I'd wonder who killed him and replaced this black male bod Bahabi. You know, this reminds me of criticism how Barack Obama speaks to young black people in that. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. The signal breaks. Exactly. Oh, I was just saying that when he's in front of us, it seems like he speaks down sometimes. And yeah, the signal's dead. I'm sorry. I got to go. Because Barack Obama was president and he was black. So we didn't really give a fuck that he was no different than the Surgeon General fucking racist. Then we got the Ralph Norman storm, potentially moving Confederates. Virginia is home to 110 Confederate monuments, making the state with the second most behind Georgia. The legislation authored by Senator Mamie Locke and Del Dolores McQuinn was one of around 20 measures that the governor signed aimed at racial injustice, including bills repealing racist language and state laws, banning interracial marriage and the integration of schools and neighborhoods. It allows localities the option of removing Confederate monuments. 
Racial discrimination is rooted in many of the choices we have made about who and what to honor and many of the laws that have historically governed this commonwealth. These new laws make Virginia more equitable, just and, in- and inclusive, and I am proud to sign them. It's entirely possible that Northam is really trying to wash off his fucking blackface, which should have been the lead. Blackface governor tries to curry favor with black voters. He's a Democrat. And they just missed that part. COVID while black. Miami doctor who tests homeless for COVID-19. Handcuffed for no apparent reason. Yeah, I found the story. He got handcuffed because he was told to stop. Because he could carry it between homeless people. Because he wasn't in proper PPE. But fuck that shit. Let's not be on the up and up, because if we did that, well, goddamn, we couldn't make it a racial story, to liberal shit, and a little soundbite, they're still talking about climate change. Come on down! You're the next contestant on Liberal Shit! This pandemic that is spreading is taking place across a backdrop of the climate crisis that is ongoing. And I'll leave this with you, Natalie, and the viewers at home. Can you imagine... If our response to the climate crisis equaled that of the robust nature of the COVID-19 response, where would we be now? I know that's a very good question that we all should ponder. And I'm with you. I've been marveling at the blue sky in Atlanta. It's just been magnificent. Derek, thank you for that report. It's very Let's, enlightening. Uh, hope that it stays. Appreciate uh, you, you reporting there from your basement. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> See you later, friend. People in northern India are getting a fresh, if distant, look at what has been shrouded by pollution for decades. Back there, you see it, the towering Himalayan mountains. One resident said he could see the peaks from more than 100 miles away. The country has been under lockdown for more than two weeks, and that has dramatically improved the air quality and visibility. There has been a trend of cities worldwide reporting cleaner air since the lockdowns were put into place. Our meteorologist Derek Van Dam has been looking into this. He joins me now. Uh, and Derek, uh, this is often a topic we talk about uh, here at CNN. And finally, you know, this is a bright spot in this era of pandemic. Like, bring on the electric cars and, you know, climate solving climate change isn't that hard. <laughs> Preaching to the choir right there, Natalie. Uh, you know, I like to consider myself an optimist, and I think you could probably uh, relate to this. Just on my daily run today across Midtown Atlanta, where, where we live, uh, the skies have never been this blue, in my opinion. And I've got a theory. Of course, there's virtually no car traffic, no airline traffic taking place out of Atlanta's Hartsfield International Airport. Of course, a few planes, but virtually nothing compared to what it would normally be on any given day. And, uh, yeah, there's just less air pollution. They're so, you know, they're out of the stuff they really like to talk about, so they got to throw out stats 
and facts that make no goddamn sense, because of course CO2's down, nobody's fucking driving, and of course parks are a little more cleaner because people aren't in them. But this was a real thing from the Los Angeles Times. Wildlife is reclaiming Yosemite National Park. The bear population has quadrupled. A black bear has a 220-day gestation period, and a grizzly has 250. I just want you to know I looked that up. Because I, how in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whenever we went to this self-quarantine shit or lockdown, did they become rabbit bears? But, you know, don't actually talk about facts. It's about it's so much better that our national parks don't have people enjoying the national parks, which is the total fucking opposite of why the national parks were put there. It was originally put there to get us all to become conservationists. And to see this beauty, and maybe we should do more in our area so that everything doesn't turn into a Walmart. But now, fuck that. You motherfucking people are evil, cow farts, yada yada. Mayor of major U.S. city says hairstylist, not essential, then in goes, gets her weave done. And that's in Chicago, and she was African American, and I just think that's fucking classic. A big thing that came across, and because, once again, these people are out of their normal shtick, they got to go with something, sexist, racist, whatever. Kurt Schlister, these little fascists need to step off. My new town hall column is up. The rise of Karenisms means the lockdown nonsense needs to end soon. The Karenists love this, love it, and that's why they are fighting tooth and nail to extend this lockdown of perpetuity. Oh, they have excuses and rationalizations to make it seem like this is for our own good as opposed for jollies. Safety, lives at stake. You know them all. In theory, those are real considerations, but they are not the only considerations. Not for the Karens. They can want to save lives even as they gleefully get off on their own power, and not for us either. We need to balance all the considerations of deciding when this ends. Safety is an important thing, but the only thing, if this standard is no life can ever be put at risk, say goodbye to cars, stakes, swimming pools, to any kind of freedom to make choices, and to the Karens, that's a feature, not a bug. I guess it's a meme thing. The Guardian. The Karen meme is everywhere, and it's becoming mired in sexism. Boom, boom, boom. You knew it was going to happen. Here's her article on it. Do I really need to spell out the sexism of a meme about a woman name that took off from a man griping about his ex-wife and become way of telling women to shut up? Yes. There are memes about Chad and Zach, but these have never gained popularity of ones about Becky, Susan, or Tammy, let alone Karen. When I see young and not-so-young white women defending the Karen meme, I'm reminded of the cool girl passage in Gone Girl. Yeah, I'm not a basic pushy-mush type woman. I'm a cool girl. Hmm. Let's see how long denigrating your own sex works for you, ladies. Next, ageism. Karen, as we have established, is a mother. One with multiple children, as Vox put it. So we're probably talking middle age here. Middle-aged woman. Ooh. Finally, class. Whatever upper-middle connotations Karens might have in the U.S. and the U.K., the name is not posh. Try substituting Karen for Emily, Freya, Alice, or Isabel, and the meme doesn't work. It is no coincidence that a tweet calling Jess, Jess Phillips a Karen was so popular given Phillips grew up working class and is a mother and not wanting to shock anyone here. A woman. Tick, tick, tick. 
Somebody's replied, did a Karen write this? <laughs> so it's ageist, sexist, classist. A fucking meme. As reported, the left is putting out all sorts of memes. I'm sure Biden's going to get all of Bloomberg's meme factories to put out really bad memes. Instead of going off about memes and sexism and bullshit, I put my time into quality endeavors. <laughs> Which is the next soundbite. Dr. James O'Donohue. Star Trek's warp speed actually looks like with real distance and real time. Are these faster or slower than you thought? And it came out of my mouth when I was watching a Star Trek movie. I wonder how fast warp speed is. I assumed it was the speed of light. It's true. And the speed of light's really fast. Let's do a maximum warp race between all the major series Star Trek ships. I realized that I didn't really have a good understanding of just how fast each ship was going. So the Enterprise-D goes warp 9.6 and the Voyager goes warp 9.975. And I guess the Voyager is faster, but how much faster? It's really hard to picture this stuff, so I put together some comparisons. We'll be comparing the speed of light, which is warp 1. Next comes the NX-01 Enterprise, which has a maximum warp speed of 5.2 which translates roughly to 140 times the speed of light. Then we have the 1701 Enterprise at warp 8, 512 times the speed of light. Skipping ahead to the next generation, the Enterprise D. Now, TNG uses a new warp speed scale. At this scale, its maximum warp speed of 9.6 translates to 1,909 times the speed of light. Deep Space Nine's Defiant has a Class 7 warp drive, which is rated for warp 9.5. Exceptionally powerful for a ship its size, but slightly slower than the Enterprise-D, clocking in at 1,841 times the speed of light. The Voyager represents a significant technological leap in warp speeds. Its Class 9 warp drive propels it to warp 9.975, which is 4,354 times the speed of light. And finally, let's look at the Enterprise-E. There's no solid specs on its maximum warp speed. Some say warp 9.7, some say warp 9.985, and some say warp 9.995. Warp 9.7 felt a little slow to me, and 9.995 seems a little fast, so let's go with 9.985. Now, I know there are plenty of examples of these ships going considerably faster than their supposed maximum warp speeds, but I'm not going to deal with anomalies or alien-enhanced engines or how fast the ship can theoretically go, but with significant damage or danger to the ship. I'm going for its maximum warp speed as it would appear in the manual for each ship. So, let's come up with a test here. I've chosen to race these ships from Earth's orbit to the edge of interstellar space. That's roughly 123 astronomical units. 123 times the distance between Earth and the Sun. That's some 11.4 billion miles or 18.3 billion kilometers. So the first line is Earth's orbit and the last line is the beginning of interstellar space. And here are the orbits of the gas giants in our solar system for reference. The ships won't be the scale, of course, but their speeds will play out in real time. Ready? Engage. The Enterprise E and Voyager tear through the course, leaving all the other ships in the dust. But the Enterprise D and the Defiant are still going pretty dang fast compared to the 1701 and the NX-01.
Now, when I first ran this test, I was thinking, man, these ships aren't really that fast, are they? But looking at light there, it's barely 5 million miles into the journey. But remember, that's also light speed. Light is crazy fast. And even the NX-01, which looks like it's barely moving, is going over 100 times as fast. Still, the NX-01 and the 1701 are taking a while. They would take roughly 7 minutes and 2 minutes, respectively, to finish. Light would take 17 hours to make this journey. Now, I don't think we got a really good look at the NX-01 and the 1701, so I set up a test just for them. We're going to race from Earth to Jupiter with light, the NX-01, the NCC-1701, and, well, we'll throw in the Enterprise-D for fun. Engage. The NX still feels a little slow here. Just goes to show what 100 years of warp drive development can do. And there's our little beam of light still struggling to keep up. It would take light over 40 minutes to make this journey. Well, that's it for now. Let me know if there are other comparisons you'd like me to make. And also, let me know if I've missed anything or made any mistakes. And make sure to ask if you want clarification on my methods. Thanks for watching, liking, commenting, and sharing this video with your friends. And I'll see you next time. I know, super geeky, and for editing purposes, I had to use somebody else's shit, because this was just a video with a diagram, I didn't look at it, but it's just, wow, we'll never do it, but it's still pretty cool. Which brings me to my next sci-fi thing, and it's a review on Tales from the Loop. Kept getting emails, kept coming up on my Amazon Prime feed. Basic concept is some Swedish dude made some paintings. Of sci-fi shit in normal settings. It was art. And people decided to make a series about it. Here is the trailer. What do you do? When someone says something's impossible, I prove it's possible. One day, many years from now, you'll wonder if this really happened. Or if it was a dream. Everyone is connected to the loop in one way or another. See, there's nothing to be afraid of. honestly say this is an interesting series. I suggested it to a bunch of people. It's a touch of um, Stranger Things, a touch of the Twilight Zone, and a feeling of the leftovers. There's a sadness to it. Um, spoiler alert 4 and 5. Those are the two episodes that really stood out to me. 4 is a piece of art. I mean, visually, mood, the plot, they tied it in 
from beginning to end, and it's incredibly poignant. Uh, it's the ending of a life and the understanding that life ends, and they tie it with fireflies and a picture of a grandfather, a visit to a sphere that does your echoes, and in those echoes, you know how long your life's going to be. And, of course, the little boy makes the grandpa do it, and his doesn't have an echo because he's about to die. He just found out he was terminally ill. That little boy, of course, fights it. But at the end, when his grandpa's gone, they tie the fireflies into that sphere, and he goes uh, and does his echo, and it's phases of his own life, growing up, having a family, being a grandpa, and I gotta admit, I got teary-eyed. It was very touching. Eight, same concept, looking for his brother, his brother... I won't say it for that spoiler of what happens to his brother. He finds his brother. He gets stuck in a time warp. And when he comes back, everybody in his family is dead. His mom is old because of a certain piece of this world. Because they don't really describe the loop. There was a time warp. He was gone for like 15, 20 years. But he didn't know that. And it was all because he went across the frozen, frozen creek. And when he came back, the creek was to thawed. Boom. Everything changed. But for him, it didn't change. And they close with him. And life. And your decisions. And that... I, I just think it's family. It was really, really good. It, it's got a sci-fi twist. But it is probably the best series I've watched in a while. I mean, there was episode six, which was gay. We didn't watch it because um, it was about gay stuff. Uh, seven was okay. One was good. Two, three was good. Uh, four was fantastic. Eight was am amazing. Jodie Foster actually directed it. She doesn't have a Twitter account, but I reached out and hashtagged and sent tweets to Amazon. That is probably... The best thing they put out in a long time. And as stated, it's it's a Twilight Zone, but you feel the leftovers. There's a sadness. And then maybe it's because of these times. People are dying and we're all locked in, but there was a sadness to it. So, let's do our lighter fare and close this pig out. Um, we're going to have uh, two skits by SNL. Uh, playing games, play eight ing games, a skit he did, very funny, and sports report, which is pretty much what it's turned into. Uh, for those that are sports nuts like me, there's nothing to report. I haven't watched a sports center, but I have been catching a lot of old stuff. I mean, they're playing old college games, old football games on the NFL network. I stated a couple podcasts ago, you can get, uh, NFL. Sunday ticket for free. I've caught a couple, watched the Super Bowl. It's been pretty cool. But in this skit, he's reporting on stuff around his house. So it's it's very comedic. Um, so enjoy. What up, Twitch? It's your boy Cam Plays Debt. I'll make sure to subscribe 
Leave a tip if you enjoying the stream. Every dollar counts. And say what up in the comments. But keep it civil, y'all. Especially right now, all right? Be respectful. Today, I'm finally doing it. People have been asking me. I'm playing Call of Duty Warzone. I know it's been out, but I'm finally getting around to it. Um, the multiplayer slayer is in the building. So uh, let's give it a shot, all right? I heard it's fun. I heard it's a little easy, though, so we'll see. Map looks sick, though. Three, six, one, let's go! Is that me? I didn't even see that guy. All right, we're getting used to it. We're getting used to it. Let's respawn. Let's go. Dude, come on! Yo, if you in my game right now and you snipe him by the respawn spot, like, I get it. It's an easy way to get kills, but, like, let's actually play the game. Forget 11-year-olds out there. Okay, here we go, here we go. Yo! Dude! Alright, StickyXX2 says go back to Fortnite. Man, maybe I'll go back to your mom's house. What do you think about that? Okay, here we go. No, stop, stop, stop! StickyXX2, I don't have a mom. Man, I'm sorry about that. I didn't know. I apologize for that comment. Alright, here we go, here we go, here we go. Mom! I'm not being loud. You're being loud. You're being louder yelling at me for being loud. Alright, let's get some high ground here. When you can actually play it, like, this game is tight. Like, it's super fun. No, no! What I'm saying, though, this game is not fun. It's dumb. What up, Twitch? Cam plays that. Uh, my Call of Duty Warzone, like, crashed or something. It's not working anymore. Right when I was figuring out how to play it, so it sucks. But anyway, we're gonna take it old school right now. We're doing a vintage Super Mario speed run. Alright? So let's do this. Alright, last time I did this, I believe I clocked out. Don't forget to subscribe. New videos and streams weekly. Can't believe that. Good evening, everyone. Bob Tisdale here from Sky Sport. Well, formerly Sky Sport. Furlough. Cheers, Corona. So, coming to you live with the Sport Report from a stool in my drawing room. The world of sport never sleeps, and I haven't been sleeping well either. So let's see the highlights. This segment is brought to you by tea made by my wife. Cheers, Jane. Of course not. Mmm. Cracking cup. Okay, let's see some highlights. First up, it's Laptop Challenge. Which one will boot up first? And they're off. Yes, you can hear the sound. Which one will get to the finish line of booting up first? It's anyone get... Well, that was quick. Left Lappy wins. Not even close. And over to Matt Endurance. Which match will outlast the other? Left match is barely hanging on. And it's out. Right match wins. That's why she's the champ, folks. Oh, she's out too. Meanwhile, over at the stove, Jane is making popcorn. Mmm, my favourite. But 
which kernel will be first to burst? It's anyone's guess, really. Top left is really heating up, but bottom right is beginning to make his move. Ooh, top right! There's some action, tossing and turning, but lo, no bursting. What is going to happen? Bottom left, no life yet, sleeping on the drop. Keldomart. Nobody seems to want it out there, but there are signs of life in the pot. Oh! Oh my god, from out of nowhere, top left is your winner! This is why we watch sport! And bottom left is close behind to take the silver and bronze. Nobody cares. Who is top banana? Which will ripen first? It's a ripening round. Left banana is picking up momentum. But wait, is that a spot? Something is definitely happening on the right banana. Folks, we're going to be here a while. And now a few statistics from the day. Things Jane and I saw from the window. Fifteen birds, one beautiful brown hawk who flew away before I could film him on my mobile phone. Three squirrels, one neighbor hanging a light fixture. And that is it. Wow! Big day today. Okay, this has been Bob Tisdale saying cheers to Jane. Love you, babe. And, uh, yeah, see you tomorrow. Probably. The playing games thing I thought was really funny because that's me. I can't play games for shit. Um, so I would never be one to put out a show on YouTube on how to play a fucking game. It just ain't my shtick. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP Podcast, gmail.com. You get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Make sure you check out the Facebook page at FOP Podcast and the Twitter page at FOP Tony Reed. Our next show will be 21 April, year of our Lord, 2020, next Tuesday. Uh, it'll be an afternoon show. It's crack day. Got to go out in the world and <clears throat> I'll coincide it with a trip so it kind of goes well together. I did get a couple emails, and I will uh, first thank Matt in Oregon for his contributions. Uh, Zach in Oregon sent me a couple funnies on Bernie, like uh, which which would uh, which who folded quicker? It was a a chair, Bernie going over to Biden, um, and I did forget another one he had. Let me see; it was pretty funny. Uh, which sold out faster this month? Toilet paper, or Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Those are pretty funny. But uh, to the emails, I got some weird out of blue stuff. I didn't make it a section. Uh, no, my name is not Tony Reed. Uh, somebody thought I was related to him. Uh, it's a stage name. Um, and no, I'm not a professional. I don't know if that was sarcastic a question or, or you were dogging me, being a troll. But no, I'm just some dude in, in my bunker. That's that's the premise. That's the intro. Uh, Tony Reed's a stage name. My name is Tony, but it's not my last name because at the time I started this, of course, I was working and, and with liberals the way they are. I was, somebody found my podcast. I didn't want to get fired. Um, so I always kind of kept it on a <clears throat> stage name and rolled with it. And once again, a, a question was about the name. Uh, I, it was supposed to be Flyover Politics normal spelling and I rolled with that for a while but I couldn't get it on iTunes uh, because somebody else had it 
it was a radio show that did seven podcasts during the 2015-16 time frame. They never did anything ever again, but they're still out there. So I had to put a K on the end of my politic <clears throat> to just drive forward. I already had a, you know, at the time, some graphics, and I'd already done a Facebook page and everything, so I just ran with it. Uh, there has been thoughts that, you know, maybe I change it to Tony Reed show, but, nah, it's not that big. You know, I have a, a diehard group that listens, and I thank every one of you, but I've never really gone <clears throat> viral, you know, if it was a thousand people listening to every show, I'd probably go to the Tony Reed show, but, um, yeah, we're not doing that, so... Um, usual send off. Make sure you enjoy your family during these times. Stay safe. Uh, make sure you're deconning, washing your hands, only go out for important stuff and just be patient. I think eventually the politics will run out of this. Democrats will realize it's no good to destroy the country and then get a president elected. Um, cause it's <clears throat> crazy and be looking for money. Uh, you know, we got our tax return, a stimulus check, and my wife, of course, was terminated, so she got unemployment. And in Tennessee, the unemployment went up the roof from what she was getting paid. And I think it's for like a month, but it's a lot of money. So we have definitely padded the uh, savings account and just kind of staying at the house. I've gone out once since the last podcast, and that was to get our tax paperwork. I had to go pick it up, but uh, we pretty much... Stayed home. Tomorrow we'll go fishing or rock hounding, depending on the water level. We had a lot of storms down here and tornadoes and craziness, but not near us. So the water level's really high, which will do no good because they're getting ready to spawn and I got to get there. But yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to hold a position with my 16 foot bass tracker if the water's crazy. So I'm waiting for that to go down. But once again, you know, don't, don't, Waste an opportunity to have family time. Um, this is a great time, really, if you look at it and you make it a positive thing. You can definitely um, make it a memory that you'll you'll take with you the time your whole family got to stay home. I've, I've said it numerous times on the show. Snowed in Christmas break when I was in the Mojave Desert and came home is still the best family Christmas we ever had. We didn't have a lot of presents. Uh, I was in the military. Didn't make a lot of money, but... We spent a whole lot of time together because we couldn't get out of our neighborhood. That's why I started buying Jeeps. So make it that good memory. As always, thanks for listening, folks. Tune in Tuesday and take care. Stay stuck.
locked up, can I get some fresh deer meat? Well, I hope your family's well, hope them hands are clean. Any chance that you might have an extra AR-15. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine. Waving at the neighbors, social distancing. I meant that in like a metaphorical sense, not a literal sense, because if it came together, that would be the antithesis of what quarantine means. But good thing we have FaceTime because we can hang out and make dumb songs like this. And shout out to all the healthcare workers out there. And, and Tim, I really like that chorus. Let's hit that one more time. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine, waving at the neighbors, social distancing, quarantine, quarantine, wearing like 